world gone insane. An upside-down civilization cannot be real. A world of madness and terror. It's the Dana Gould Hour. Today's show is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash Dana and using the promo code Dana. This episode of the Dana Gould Hour is also brought to you by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash DGH for Dana Gould Hour. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals from blueapron.com forward slash DGH. And if you're really lazy, eat them in bed on your Casper mattress. Spring has sprung here at the Dana Gould Hour podcast with a brimming bushel of bright and bouncy banter. Ken Reed is here today of the superlative podcast TV Guidance Counselor and our old buddy, the bitter Buddha himself, Eddie Pepitone is here. As for me, things are heating up far beyond their normal frenzied pace. On May 2nd, 2017, I will be at the Lyric Hyperion Theater in Silver Lake, California. Now, this is different from most L.A. shows in that I'm doing a full show. Me, for an hour. But if you haven't seen it yet, come on down and see it. And on May 3rd, the following night, I will be performing the same show in Seattle, Washington, at the Columbia City Theater for two shows. And that, God willing, will be recorded for my new album, coming out later this year, on Kill Rock Stars. I'm thinking of calling it Mighty Mouth, or Motor Mouth, or something like that. Whatever. You'll hear about it here, no doubt. And then, I'm heading back to Atlanta to start production on Season 2 of IFC's Stand Against Evil, which will be premiering in October. But in the meantime, on to our filthy business. Worth it. It's showtime. My guest tonight on a balmy Southern California spring evening, high atop the Mulholland view shelf, Boston's own. The East Coast distributor of my long buried id. <laughs> I'm putting that on the sign out in front of my door for my business. The host of uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, TV Guidance Counselor. You can get his uh, comedy CD, The Vanity Project, Volume 1. Please welcome Ken Reed. This is the sound of my voice. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm now, in California. I have lo- <laughs> Yeah, you're in California. I have long discussed... How we've only known each other a couple of years. Yep. How creepily similar we are. <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. So today, <laughs> so today, uh, 
as I am wont to do. This is this is my like past twenty four hours. So last night, I was at the Roosevelt, the famously haunted Roosevelt Hotel yep. in Southern California, at the Turner Classic Movie Festival. As you do. In full Dr. Zayas makeup. This was the plan, too. This wasn't like a no. perfect serendipity of like, no. I, my car broke down. I happened to be. <laughs> no, it was all planned. Yeah. Uh, the great Andy Schoenberg from KNB Effects did uh, my makeup. And I introduced Planet of the Apes alongside Lou Wagner, who plays Lucius in Planet of the Apes. Right. So I'm in ape makeup with a guy that's in the original movie. If you had told the 12-year-old me that that would have one day happened, my head would explode. Yeah. And then I get out of that. I go home, go to bed, wake up. There's a little horror convention here in Southern California, Monster Palooza. I walk in. The first person I yeah. see. <laughs> and I was just doing the, I was like the first time I got up that day. First person I see, Ken Reed. Then I say, you're, we had planned this. It's like, I'll see you at my house later tonight. Yep. Right. You come over to my house. We both bought the same thing. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, would not planned at all. Slightly different. We both bought Ultraman figures, but in different positions. I was going to say Martine Beswick fleshlights. Yes, yes. Yes. We both bought Ultraman figures. <laughs> different poses. We actually, the Martine Beswick one, we went halvesies on. So we bought the same one. I think it's your week. I've... Um, uh, so, yeah, well, let's... Uh, I'm going to get to... I want to <laughs> get to fleshlights in a minute. Yeah. Uh... Ultraman, for those of you who don't, I've talked about him on the show before. It was a kid show made in Japan in the late 60s, syndicated to America. It was basically Godzilla as a half-hour TV show. It yeah. was Godzilla in Seinfeld. With a superhero. Yeah. 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 It was truly uh, just like heroin for a kid. It was just like visual, visual heroin for a child. It was the thing like when you'd watch Outer Limits every week because not all of them are great, but you knew you'd get a monster, which you didn't yeah. get in Twilight Zone. Ultraman was that, but you were like, every week I'm getting a monster. I know it's going to be cool and it's going to yeah. get its, it's ass gonna kicked. It's going to be a fight. <laughs> yeah. Be, yeah. Twilight Zone was not a great episode for a kid all the time. Yeah. It's like, hey. Maybe communism isn't a good idea. <laughs> Sometimes you reap what you sow. I don't even understand what that means. Who does not? Why is Columbo Castro? <laughs> <laughs> or the really boring ones like, I guess he's an angel, so Jesus then? <laughs> yeah. Like the few where you're like, was this, is this church all of a sudden? And then the lazy ones, you know, Rod Sewing was at the end of the uh, the end of his uh, string on a particular season. It's, yeah. hey, what if it's a hot planet and she wakes up and it's a cold planet? Yeah. It's the irony. <laughs> yes. What if she she thinks she's eating ice cream and then the smashed potatoes. The whole time she was the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> she was being eaten by someone else. Uh, Godzilla actually showed up. Actual Godzilla showed up in Ultraman. They reused Godzilla costumes a couple times. Oh, yeah. They do that all Let's the time. They well, painted them gold and put a collar on them. Yeah. <laughs> There's just one. He has an Elizabethan collar. Some, some, yeah. And it's one of those things you have to see and you have to be of a certain generation to appreciate it. The same thing would happen on Lost in Space. The same thing would happen in Voice of the Bottom of the Sea. The repurposing of costumes. Yeah. There's a, the original gorilla makeup from Planet of the Apes is, show, is in a lost in space, uh, painted white with some horns. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You like to think he's like Stick a weird albino yeah. inbred ape? Stick it in there. 
carrot, giant carrot, send them in there. Yeah. And Ultraman, yeah, they would just take monsters that were in giant monster movies, turn them into lamps, send them in. Yeah. I One of my favorite repurposing, and this is much later, but in um uh, the Halloween episode of Knight Rider called Halloween Nights with a K. Uh, <laughs> Not my, to be confused with Hollywood Nights. That's right. With Robert Wool as New Bomb New Turk. Bomb Turk, which <laughs> did at least spawn the great band, the New Bomb Turks. <laughs> Uh, in Robert Wool's ass. There's so much mooning in that movie. I mean, I didn't grow up in the Who 50s, thought? but was mooning that popular? <laughs> well, yeah, well, that was when all of Hollywood bet on wool. Yeah. Uh, everything on wool. A lot of people don't know Batman was built as a Robert Wool vehicle. vehicle. <laughs> the, whole, the only line they of... had in the script was, this guy is king of the wicker people. Yes. That's the only yep. line they had in that script. Yep. I'm shitting on Robert Wool, who's a very, he's a very nice guy. I only remember his uh, his, um, his Bruce Springsteen bit that he used to do where he'd just go into tramps like us for, for yeah. forever. Um, but he's a really good – he's a good <laughs> He's a good guy. Um, but they repurpose the um, three Don Post Halloween masks from Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Right, sure. Uh, and so there's a Halloween party and like half the room has those three masks on. It's really weird. Halloween 3 was the craziest movie because Halloween is great. It's a classic. Yep. Halloween 2 was a serviceable sequel. I saw it the night before my PSATs. Excellent. Did you do well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 58640. <laughs> oh, nice. And then Halloween 3, it's like they jettison Mike Myers. And it's about kids wearing masks. Yeah. And it was it was literally like Halloween 3 was just an episode of Night Gallery. Yeah. It's actually it, The Twilight Zone. It's masks. Yeah. It's the, the uh, directed by the great Ida Lupino. With an excellent. One of the earliest women directors in Hollywood. With an excellent anti-Irish bent. That movie's so, it's really like the Irish are going to kill our children, everybody. <laughs> like it is, that script was sitting in some guy's desk drawer since 1940. Like these potato eating bastards are going to come over <laughs> The original title was Shanty Mix. Yeah, yeah. No Irish. No, I really mean it. Because it really is. It's, it's the plot is they use Stonehenge and some Irish guy is just going to kill America's children as a joke. Oh, my. Yeah. Well, that's also there's a, there's a, a Finnegan in Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy boy. Yeah. Like all, all Irish people. Which is like, some 70 year Crazy, violent, soaked, lucky charms. Held. That's not that inaccurate. No, it's, uh, it's not. Yeah. Wait a minute. Halfway through that sentence, I was like, wait, this is the truth. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah, I just picture like some 70-year-old. Jimmy, me boy. Hey, can I take a bribe and then beat you while I'm drunk? <laughs> I'm the police chief. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that was that was the typical Boston crime. Yeah. I, I forget what this is from, but it was... Can you can you describe the black man that attacked you? <laughs> he it was, was a white. white man. A black man disguised as a white man. Yes. Oh, he's crafty. <laughs> They're doing that a lot these days. <laughs> we'll just round up a few in case they had a pre- Boston police had a pre-crime unit. <laughs> it was like minority b- way before Minority Report, but it was still called Minority Report. <laughs> 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 well, we'll round them up just in case. It's so funny when you're not from Boston. People, think, when people think of Boston, they go, "Oh, the liberal Northeast." Have, have you been to Boston? Well, I always sum it up as uh, I always describe it as a uh, artisanal xenophobia. Yeah, oh, because well it's done, like yeah. you know, they're not. It's not just that you're another race; is that you're not them. Is more yeah, it. Yeah. But um, there's a weird liberal hatefulness that I best sum up and be like, "Leave him alone. Who cares if he's a faggot?" 
Yeah, like it's like, wait a minute, you, I don't. Which yeah. side are you on here? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. not right. Yeah, who cares? He's a queer. Yeah, leave him alone. Who cares? He's a stupid black lazy guy, but it's none of your business. And you're like, wait, whoa, whoa, yeah, well, whoa, hey, whoa, yeah. Where'd you get so liberal? Yeah, <laughs> back off, man. Yeah, it's this very strange place. But uh, of course, it's not Boston. It's not our Boston. It's anymore. not Boston these days. Not Boston anymore, Ken. You barely hear people say bottles or felines or blueberry tops or or uh, bubbler. Bubbler. Where's Never the hear bubbler? It. Nobody laughs anymore. <laughs> uh, why? It's just like where's your Where's my aunt? I'll yeah. Say, I still say aunt. My aunt's at Feline's. <laughs> Feline's basement. Feline's basement. <laughs> you came out to, to see the damned. Yeah. Uh, to tell, tell me about your... Uh, your affection of the, of the damned. So the damned are. I was a punk rock kid before uh-huh. I knew what punk rock was. Right. Uh, apparently, um, but I was five years old and I had horrible insomnia and I slept maybe like two five year old. Yeah, I, I slept maybe two hours a night my whole life till I was like in my early twenties. And how was that physically? I don't believe me. I yeah. I I and so I've had a jag of I had a jag of insomnia that put me in the hospital. Yeah, so I, I I can I just the empathy that I'm feeling. For you I right felt now sick all the chill. time. I felt like garbage all the time, but right. I, it was all I knew. So until I started sleeping, I was right. like, "Oh, <laughs> this is how human beings are supposed to feel." Uh, which so that part was terrible. Is it was a physiological disorder? Yeah, yeah, it was related to panic attacks, general anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. depression, dopamine, uh, yeah, serotonin yeah. uptake. It just I it just didn't I couldn't sleep, and um, I, I feel like, yeah. Jesus, we're, Jesus. I know I'm sure it's getting. And it wasn't even like, yeah. I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. This I know what you've been to. And yeah. it wasn't even when I was younger. It wasn't even like the I can't shut my brain off stuff. It was just mm-hmm. like you're just not sleeping. Like uh, it just know, wouldn't. I had. I've. I had it in New York. I. I've had a crazy. The past two weeks, for me, were so crazy. I was. My kids were on their spring break, and so I took my oldest daughters. To Daytona uh, Beach for a wet t shirt contest. <laughs> I took them uh, j- just the opposite. I went mammoth and we went skiing under many layers. And then I like drove them home from Mammoth, dropped them off at their mom's house, went to the airport, flew to Tempe, did the weekend in Tempe, came back for a day, hosted a benefit, flew to New York, did the upfronts for IFC, came back, had to do doctors. And, yeah. and it was just like uh, m- my sleep hygiene has to be really rigorous you strike me as a guy who needs a schedule i do need a schedule or i go bananas and just literally the last night in new york uh like i got back after the whole baloney and i um i got in uh, bed and was like okay great go to speak if i go to bed now six hours i'll be fine yeah five if i sleep right now yep and motherfucker i think i started the drift off at six yep Get up at six thirty, six forty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're just lunch meat. Yeah, you feel like you've been hit by a truck, and yeah. like you, you feel like what and I. And I look at, and this is what I do, and it's it's it. Had I not the worst feeling in the world, at least I drifted off. Yeah, because I, here's my creepy weakness. My here's my cra- here's the depth of my crazy. Okay, the, the deep, dark, truthful, hard candy center of my crazy. On those nights where you just can't sleep and you get out of bed and you say, fuck it. I'm going to be productive. Right. And you're just like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I go to, my brain does not know how to sleep anymore. Yeah. And I'm never going to sleep again. 
and you walk around all day looking at everyone thinking there they've slept they're a part of the world yep I have not, and I'm, I'm out not. of phase now. Out of phase, yeah. you're Candace Hillegas in Carnival of Souls, yeah. running around the department. Sometimes store. they see me, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Uh, the well, the weirdest is if you. There have been times when I, you know, not and not recently, thank God. I maybe get it once once a month now, um, but you know, where I didn't sleep for two or three days, and yeah. your brain goes eleven, baby. Yeah, your brain goes, hey asshole, if you're not going to dream, I'm just going to do it now. Yeah. So you start hallucinating and stuff. Yes, and, and part of that is, and I know because I, I went 11 days wow. where I don't recall sleeping, but the doctors told me that I must have slept. Because you would have been dead. Yeah, and I met a woman. I met a friend of a friend, uh, a woman who uh, named Karen Scott, to whom I owe my life, um, who basically took me in, like didn't really know me and just kn- saw that I was just in big trouble. Yes. This is in July of 1994. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and eventually got me, um, to the hospital. <laughs> I think my dishwasher is fucking my fridge. Yeah. Um, That's how ice is made. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what's <laughs> going on over there. Might not be picking it up. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm <laughs> not even reading. Um, but, uh, yeah, but in, in it, uh, when when I went to the doctor, I was describing that what it, what it is is your uh, your 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 eyes send your brain signals, mm-hmm. and your brain assembles those signals into images, and it's just getting sloppy, yeah, because it's deprived of it needs serotonin and everything, yeah, it, and um, and it's just trying to put images together when it can't and it, it, it yeah in, in 1994 and and that was when i was at the point of like well i can kill myself today yeah if it's just unbearable today and i lived at the time i lived in california and fifth in santa monica and i was just i just walked down there there's the ocean oh yeah i'll just pull a creature walks among us and but it's very matter right of up. fact like i, I oh yeah i well, was but it keeps you from killing yourself <clears throat> yeah because you know you have that 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 panic button yeah, like that's a, exactly you can pull right. a ripcord yeah. if you have to yes you know? yeah um and that's yeah totally i mean i um you know i only slept about two hours a night but i suffered from you know suicidal depression for decades and decades um and i'm actually i think everyone in my family had at least attempted suicide once at some point uh-huh. um but it it was when you describe it to someone who doesn't have that or has never because had they're it. quitters. Because they're quitters, um, and they're usually just lazy. Um, I was—I didn't know this until I was older in life. I was, <laughs> I was named after a friend of my dad's who killed himself. Yeah. Like, hey, thanks. But there's so many. Like you, when you get older, you find Why out there's a lot more. Barnabas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you named me Unabomber Gould. I know he didn't kill himself, but I was trying to think of a, a yeah. of someone who bombed it. Yeah. But um. Yeah, you always have Kurt that. Cobain Gould really? with a terrible name. You had that. You had that foresight to know <laughs> that he was. Um, but you, it, it's not scary. Like you don't nope. feel like you're. It's it's very. It's almost calming. It's calming. No, I was just yeah. going to say it's the only thing that keeps you sane because you have a ripcord. It's like yeah. you said. You it's like I can. So like when people talk about um, uh, uh, people who kill themselves. Uh, and being a comedian, we know double digits, unfortunately, oh, yes. of people yeah. who kill themselves. Uh, what a fucking asshole. Yeah. Guy, so selfish. Yeah. It's like, uh, stop 
uh, applying rational thought to an irrational mindset. It's like saying someone who died of diabetes was a fucking asshole. Yeah, had kids. I'm like, it's a, it's a, it's a chemical imbalance yeah. that is, you know yeah. needs management. And specifically, uh, I, I bring this up uh, with with Robin Williams, who suffered from Lowe's body dementia. Right. Who's 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 they found out in the autopsy. His brain was soaked with this disease, yeah. and it had literally change the physiological structure of his brain. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I always trust the people, Robin did not kill himself because he was depressed. Robin killed himself because he had a disease and he was no longer Robin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Your um, brain but, rewires. Yeah. But uh, to what we were talking about, like, yeah, I, that one, it's happened to me a couple times in my life. Um, uh, once in 1994 and then, uh, and then once in 2012, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit it's a big thing. So when I get it, uh, it's uh, battle stations. Yeah, it really is like a, um, you know someone having about to go into like a diabetic shock or something. Yeah, like you see this the signs start happening. And you're like you know something you got to turn this around physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you, you know you go down a path. And, and I go, got, always yeah. now. Did you did you take anything for did, did medication? As a kid, I never around? did. Medication helped definitely. I I was very not. I guess I would say I was anti-medication for for my whole life. Were you or your family? Me, my so my family was totally absent um, for all of this stuff when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, I was very well behaved. I never got in trouble. So they kind of. I always joke that I'm the white sheep of my family. But <laughs> again, yeah, again. Yeah. But they're all you know like We're car the same. thieves and I'm the same. You know, no, yeah. I. Uh, oh God! So they were like, "Ken's fine," you know. He's we're, in his room the, reading. We are the, and I have another very good friend in, uh, who lives in Southern California with whom I share this. We're the Marilyn Munsters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, like my sister would be five, and you know, we'd have family over, and they'd give her beers, and she'd be drinking, and they'd be telling her to swear, and she'd be swearing, and they'd laughing, you yeah. know. And I'd be in my room reading comic books alone, and they'd be right. like, "What a weird, quiet kid." Yeah. Um, but he's not bothering. He's anybody. not bothering anybody. Let so it's go. fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, the first time I tried to kill myself, I think I was five, and it was just um, they just didn't get you it. You drove a big wheel into uh, the opposing lane of big wheels. I did, and I I had a uh, hundred sparklers in a crown around my head. Kill <laughs> 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 yourself at five. Well, you know, yeah. I tried. By, by the way, you're play- we're playing right into my favorite suicide joke of mine, which is the misspelled note. Excellent. <laughs> People standing over your body. Dana committed skuakide. <laughs> well, thank God for spell check. That's what I'm saying. And Facebook walls. How do you try um, to kill yourself when you're five? I took a knife. Jesus, tried to, I got a scar from it and tried to stab myself through the heart. Wow. Uh, okay. That's much more serious yeah, than I thought yeah. it was. Um, but I, it, I always felt like at that age, it was – the best way I can describe it is you know how there are people, people who are trans. I'm going to call this episode – Dana and Ken's How to Pick Up Chicks. How to Pick Up Chicks. Hey, baby, want to see my five-year-old suicide attempt scar? Um, I'll sign it for you. Um, and, and what was their reaction to that? They were just like, what the hell's that about? What are you, queer? Yeah, they were, you know what they thought it was? They thought, that's a real faggy thing to do. Oh, my God. Hey, femme. Uh, yeah. Hey, faggotini, yeah. get the knife uh, out of your chest. They, they thought it was because my iguana had died. So I was just like, sure, if that's what you want. But it was like the way I just. 
I should mention I had an iguana, which I didn't even really like. Uh, <laughs> he killed himself. I didn't even know he had an iguana. He loved that goddamn iguana. <laughs> well, we, they're so cuddly. We, we blame the iguana. It was a, su- it was a murder-suicide it's pack between him and the iguana. <laughs> and Jub-Jub. Yeah. It's a quiet mm-hmm. Monday, mm-hmm. high atop mm. the Mulholland Drive view shelf, as it's called Is it a view by shelf? our zoning board here in uh, beautiful Southern California. I was in Ojai yesterday. Ah. And it's just a beautiful place. Is it worth me going to Ojai? Oh, yeah. Ojai's great. It you looks have- like Tuscany. Is it looks like right? mini Tuscany. You have to recommend a good bed and breakfast where the doggies can stay. I don't know if the Ojai Valley Inn will have dogs, but they might. It's a quiet little mm-hmm. hippie town. Yeah. And yeah, there is hippies who have sold well, out. Hippies. Hippies but, like, who have sold no, out. Wealthy, older hippies. You know, <laughs> yeah. People like, people in hippie guards that are 74 years old and, uh, you know, they, they spend the summer on Martha's Vineyard and the rest of the year in uh, How in Ojai. How do they make their money? Oh, they're all in various. Yeah. You know, a lot of actors, Peter Strauss. You'll see up there, Bill, the late great Bill Paxton. I used to see all the time. Oh, is that right? Bill lived up there, mm. but it's really beautiful. And uh, but I love living in California. Yeah, you see more of it than me. Is it? Is it Ohio? What else do you love? About oh, well, Ohio is a very quiet, bucolic little town. And one day I was in the mm-hmm. the park with my kids, and I was looking around. I was like, God, this place. It's like Mayberry. In fact, the only kids here that aren't white. Are mine. Whoop whoop whoop. But yeah, Dana so Gould bringing diversity. That's right. to Ohio. Well, that's my. That's why my book is called Gunpoint Diversity. <laughs> forcing, Gunpoint, uh, forcing diversity onto people. <laughs> you know, I live in California. I'm from Massachusetts, and yes. I literally moved as far away from home as I could get yes and me too every time i go home mm-hmm. and this has this isn't specific to my family it's just the, the nature of where you grew up i'm like yeah. oh god i wonder if i'll ever like uh you know when i go back there and stay there and you know it's like you can't take the massachusetts out of the boy and yeah yeah, yeah. and then i what go happens? home and I'm, I'm there for about 21 minutes and i'm like i gotta fuck out of here <laughs> you <laughs> feel gotta, a tightness i gotta get home i get out of here i get out of here right now yeah, really? There's some things I like. There's some things I like, but I'm also like, yeah, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go. Is it? Do you feel claustrophobic, or or is it just like memories coming? Yeah, back? I think it's just a lot of it's just sense a lot of memories. You can't go home. Yeah, sense memories. That's great and, for acting. Yeah, uh, sense memories. <laughs> hey, like, yeah, you know, I'm remembering holding a cup and <laughs> pretending to hold a cup. <laughs> Did you purposely move to California to get away from New York? No, I didn't. It happened organically for me, and it was free trade, and it was cruelty-free. Nothing is (laughs) cruelty-free. But what happened for me is that I got cast in the movie Old School, and I came out. They put me up in Venice Beach. They put me up in Venice Beach, a half a block from the ocean. I was like, I really like this. And my manager was here in LA and she kept uh, telling me, Eddie, there's more work out here. And and when I was in Venice, I was like, I really like California. Sure. Yeah. I just, I just, kinda, especially when you're on a movie because you have uh, the illusion of being so I didn't special. know. Right. I didn't know. Eddie, hi, Carolyn calling from wardrobe. <laughs> 
Would you want to come by tomorrow and try on some pants? We have Darjeeling tea. I'm so important. People want me to come by well, and watch me try on pants. On a big movie, too. That was a big movie. That was, it was a, a studio movie. movie yeah. So they were, every time I got on set, they were like, bring Eddie something beautiful. <laughs> bring Eddie something beautiful. Like it was so yeah. broad. It wasn't even specific. Eddie would like to cuddle a baby koala bear. <laughs> yeah. No, but that was a movie. I, I, that was funny that I, I was not a major player in that movie, but Will Farrell. Vince Vaughn and Luke Wilson right. were the three leads. And then me. That's a huge movie. Yeah. But it was me, the guys I hung with, me, before Rob Corddry hit, uh-huh. me, Rob Corddry, a guy named Rick Gonzalez, who went on to do a bunch of movies, right. and Simon Helberg, who became famous with Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And Simon does a bunch of movies now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. So it was us guys, and we were the fraternity yeah. members. Yeah. And it was kind of glorified extras, but we had a few few lines and we were there for like weeks and i didn't yeah know. you made a lot of money on that movie i made some money and yeah. i didn't realize that would be the vortex for me <laughs> the, the vortex no, and the apex, and the apex. <laughs> that's how you that's how you peaked he misspoke yeah <laughs> i peaked early <laughs> and i was living in venice yeah but the thing about living in venice now i don't know if why you did ever... they put you up in venice oh 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 they didn't put me up well they were like, you have my to get friend, out of here. here it is. Here, here's what happened. I, I okay, knew a couple now, of people. Oh, wait, okay. Now the story unravels. I knew a couple of people here come your when lies. I got here. My buddy Walter, such a New York guy, like seriously, a guy who was like, Pup, I'm in Venice. Why don't you stay with me? So I stayed with Walter. And then uh-huh. he got me an apartment. And this is hilarious. He got me an apartment with a model. We, I, I, <laughs> check this out. I shared an apartment with a model right above him. And, uh, she kicked me out because when she left, I would like want to play with her lovebirds. They were a pair. And I would take the lovebirds out of the cage. <laughs> and like, they were so sweet and put them on my shoulder. And then she came home and one of them was flying around and she flipped out at me. She flipped out at me. I was such an ass whole back then as far as boundaries i was like well fuck it i think her name was maya or mia something that was like the expansiveness of the universe and like a stunning model she was beautiful and i was like i really like la i'm here and people see you guys leaving the apartment together like you go to lunch (laughs) and people think god that guy's gonna be rich what are they doing there (laughs) so it was hilarious or your first day together like yeah it's great okay we'll be roommates and great boundaries and you want to get some to eat sure and you go outside and then the minute you hit the sidewalk you just start screaming can you believe i'm fucking this (laughs) (laughs) the guy who looks like an ex-boxer with this beautiful (laughs) hey baby hey baby come on i'm fascinated that you lived with a model for a couple of months in venice and uh she tolerated me she was one of these people who was very funny. It was so L.A. and I loved it because I was so New York. I had not yeah. lived – I had not lived anywhere else but New York. And I came here and I would come into our place. It was her place. But I would come into the place and I would hear her with a self-help tape on like booming. You know, and I'd be like, turn down that self-help. <laughs> like, no, but seriously, through her door, she would be listening to, and there's a golden ball of light. And I was like, there's <laughs> nothing better than this because, you know, as a New Yorker, I just grew up with. I, but just, I like that you accepted it and you were like, this is bullshit. I want to be in the Bronx with my friends whose names <laughs> are Joey and Mickey. The, the pizza sucks here. Yeah. That, that's the <laughs> and, that, and that same old bullshit retina. Like, and the, you got an egg 
cream and you play stickball and then <laughs> kids had real names like Mickey and Joey. Yeah, by they the did way, in the forties. By the way, I still hate the way Hollywood they don't do it as bad, but the way they just portray New Yorkers in the films, <laughs> they all talk like that. Yeah. Hey Mikey Like really? Come on, they're you know, New York is an erudite place. Sure, sure if they've so ever been the in the upper world. Side. It's the capital of the world, yeah. yeah. Cities aren't what you depict them as. Mm. You know, people think, well, Atlanta, that's going to be really racist. People Not think, anymore, right? They think Boston, well, it's a liberal capital of the world. Atlanta is the most integrated city I've yeah. ever lived in in my life to the appearance of me as a visitor, just seamlessly yeah. integrated. Whereas Boston is so racist. Is it so segregated still? So, yeah, and just like the racial tension is so. Parts you know, in New Atlanta, York, you'll see mixed race couples that don't even look like they should be together. Like you see a guy like in a Confederate flag hat with a super hot black girlfriend. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, yeah. baby. You know, spitting his jaw. It's yeah, yeah. very strange. I um, still don't understand the South at all. I've never lived down there, and now I have stayed in Atlanta a bunch of times, too, yeah. and, and that's my feeling as well. Well, I, grew how- up, I used to spend a lot of time in the South because my mom is from Virginia, so we oh, used to go right? to the South. We used to go to Virginia like every summer when I was a kid, so I know the culture a little bit, yeah. It's a totally different place. You know, it used to be like mm-hmm. America's two countries. I'm beginning to think it's 50 now, and I don't mean states. I mean, just the, I've talked about it before, the law mm-hmm. of unintended consequences. Yeah. How, like, the internet was supposed to unite us, and instead it just carved us up into smaller little fiefdoms. Did the South vote for Trump? They did, didn't they? Yeah. More or less? I think a lot of people did. But I'm always... I, you, know, Nain, you must be very happy with how well things are going. <laughs> It's very surprising how much he's pivoted. I love to hear talk about the pivot. I love to hear talk about the pivot. Is he finally pivoting? <laughs> it is unbelievable. I, we, we were talking before air just how the Trump fatigue is just amazing. Like, I thought that I was going to be super active in the resistance yeah. when he got elected. But what has happened to me... Well, I'm super active in deleting resistance emails unread. Yes, me too! <laughs> me too. First of all, all the emails uh, ask for money. Yeah. All of them. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can't let this happen. Yeah. Delete. Yeah. Yeah. When I do like come out of you know this hiding and start reading about what he has done, like recently dropping yeah. the largest, like all of a sudden, yeah. I thought it was too much that anchors actually masturbated while saying mother of all bombs. Oh, you know, like, what happened they, to Brian they, Williams? They gave by it the a way. cute little nickname and it's the mother. Of, it was like, remember shock and awe? Well, yes. Yeah. It's like, did we ever, they learn their lesson? But did we ever revisit the fact that we shocked and awed the wrong place? <laughs> <laughs> like, Did we? Well, we shocked and awed them because they had weapons of mass destruction. Oh, right. And then it turned right, out that right. they Did didn't. We? I'm like, Did yeah. We? yeah. And we never yeah. really had a big, shocking, awesome apology. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what what is clear? What about to me? humility and shame? <laughs> do we ever do that? You suffered a, a profound level of neglect. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was... Kids it was, need to be raised. Yeah, and I definitely wasn't. I was yeah. a free-range kid. I yeah. mean, but part of the good thing about... And my, and my children keep me sane. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I... 
because you get to correct yes all of that stuff. that's when people uh, i always joke but i'm serious when i say this you know and i don't have children and and part of the reason is because i my bloodline is so terrible and i joke well my say, children like, are not of my right um, which i would do but <laughs> i'm like i always go it ends here guys this is yeah, what i can no, do well, yeah, into I, well yeah. I, I can tell you um when my when my when my uh i, I don't think she would mind me saying this um my ex-wife and I have been we were my wife at the time we've been married for a little bit and she'd been kind of weird uh, quiet and I said well, what's going on and she goes well it's something I want to talk to you about and and because we're already married mm-hmm. and I said uh, what she goes well I I read this book called The Lost Daughters of China about the one child policy in China I go yeah and she's like I think instead of having children I I want to adopt a, a, a child from China and I was like Boy, did you marry the right guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she thought I was going to be like, what, my I want me yeah. in the future. <laughs> no problem. You're like, I'm so glad you brought this up because yeah. I've purchased those tickets yeah. to go to China yesterday. Yeah, good. Yeah. That's what I was like, so you mean, married the right dude. Part of it was that and part of it was also I think I was sort of pun- – I realized now I was punitively kind of saying to my parents, you don't get to be grandparents. <laughs> like it was uh-huh. kind of like oh, you, don't, you don't – which yeah. I realize now. But – um. That's funny. So I do I always say, you know, I you know, I like all this kid stuff and all this stuff I like when I was a kid, but people are like, You're reliving your childhood and I'm always like, No, I'm rewriting it. <laughs> I'm right. experiencing the things I enjoyed in my childhood in an environment that I now like where I'm, you know, a more oh, brother person brother, in, you know. So- Again, it's creepy. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry that it's, it's creepy. creepy. <laughs> um, no, the yeah. similarities. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look yeah. where I live. Look, I know. Oh, this know, is it, like a dream. You know. Yeah, yeah. This uh, is. Um, it's. So it was, and they just didn't get. Like my family didn't get me. And like, it's so funny because the stuff that I like is the stuff that I liked as a kid that gave me a sense of uh, calm and yeah. and uh, a play. You know, Star Trek. Dark Shadows, Colshack, uh, the Night Stalker, uh, Godzilla, all those things that I watched as a kid are the things that I still watch now. It's Sunday night. I'm going to watch the Night Stalker at ten on Me TV. Yeah, I have it on DVD. I'm sure I've seen it, but when it comes I'm on, it's different, it. though. Yeah, it's, when it comes because on, it it's came different. to you, it was a salvation, and that's sort of where you know, to, to the point of how did I get into the Damned? You know, being up late at night on my own in a quiet house and flipping through the channels and stumbling on the young ones, which I had no idea what it was. I see this show and I see the Damned come on and play nasty, and right. you know, Dave's a vampire, and the song is amazing, and it's. <laughs> And I never heard him. And I'm like, this is everything I love in the world right, right but here. But you're how old? Five. Um, and so you, I st- So you got into the damned at five. Yeah. And I started listening to, we had college radio stations. Harvard had a station called WHRB that did I the remember. record hospital, yeah, which I was punk rock all night. I'd stay up and listen to that. And I'd have a notebook and I'd write down bands I liked. And at so, five. At five. And, That's uh, kindergarten. Yeah. Which now in is insane. Like yeah. when I think about how weird of a little kid I, I was, my dad moved a couple years ago and um, he and my mother had been divorced, but he was like, I got a bunch of crap here. And he's like, I get your, um, your Sid Caesar autograph. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know if I've told you the story before, <laughs> but I was like, what's Sid Caesar? He goes, well, when you were two years old, you found out Sid Caesar was doing dinner theater and framing him. And you made us go to the hotel he was staying at to meet him. And I didn't remember it, but there's a photo and I have the autograph, you know, 1982, yeah. Sid Caesar. And I'm like, can you imagine a two-year-old who is 
basically a baby. Yeah. Uh, being like, I would like you to take me to this hotel to meet Caesar. Wow. So I don't even know where that came from. I called uh, Jonathan Frid in his hotel room when he nice. was doing Arsenic of Old Lace, and I don't even remember how he knew what hotel it was in. And he was very nice, but it was clearly just a weird kid's calling. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I don't even know how I found it. So, like, thinking about me that age now, um, it, it's very strange. But I that sort of put me in the path. Like, there's a few things I don't remember when I first heard or started liking. That one I do because I remember that incident. But, like, I always like comic books. I always like horror movies. You know, I always right. like music. And, like, comic books, I would go to my grandparents' house, my mother's parents, who were alcoholics and very odd people and from new england from new england you never know well my grandfather's from norway oh, um, he's a big angry better, norwegian yeah. guy sure and um they would send me to the corner store delaney's superette to buy cigarettes and scratch tickets for them at five six years old but i could keep the yeah. change and i'd get comic books that was my uh, exercise as a kid i was a fat little kid i was a pugsley adams looking kid and my mom would send me over to Rico's to buy Territon 100s. Yep. But no scratch tickets. No, I get some scratch Yeah, tickets. scratch tickets were big. That and was, I would buy yeah. uh, Star Wars cards with a change. Yeah, that's right. I'd get comics and you know, yeah. it would be worth it for that. Yeah. Or um, jugs. Jugs? Yeah, <laughs> jugs are uh, cherry lick. I think it was one of them. <laughs> Butts up. We. Oui, we, oui, because I was yeah. international. It's true. Uh, although there are some good articles in We occasionally in the 70s issues. They got some good things about punk rock. Well, there was We, and then there was, uh, there was uh, Penthouse, and then there was, and then, but then Penthouse, there was Omni. Yes. Omni. Which was like the, the science magazine from the. Penthouse Publishers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is funny. My dad uh, had a subscription to Playboy, and my dad, I was constantly catching, you know, in hindsight, he was probably like 25, but like I built a black box in our house, uh, and I put a parental control on it with a code, and so my dad would have to come to me and be like, hey, what's a parental code on that? I'd be like, what are, you, what are you watching? What are you watching? And I'd make him tell me. <laughs> I was like 13. I remember, the only one I remember, he goes, Foxy Boxing. Boxing. <laughs> it was something that Sylvester Stallone's mother produced. Uh-huh. It was like topless ladies boxing. Um, but um, I remember so- watching. Uh, we had Starcase. Yes, uh, and the only movies on Starcase. This is 1979. Apocalypse Now. Serial. Yep. With Martin Mull. Yep. Clockwork Orange was on. Manhattan. I was watching all these movies. I was in ninth grade. Uh, but uh, Emmanuel in yes. Bangkok was yes. on. And I, I don't know if I saw the uh, edited version or just or the fact that absolutely nothing happens in that movie. That's one of the sleazier <laughs> ones, too. Like that one, no, the, yeah. the one, the version I saw. Oh, nothing. Nothing yeah. happens. <laughs> Can't you even go to a cockfight? <laughs> Either kind. Nothing happens. Um, Sylvia Christel looking, wandering looking around. wanton. Uh, but my dad, I used to go... He kept them in my mother's hope chest, which later would have a tego on. No top irony of it. there. No irony there. <laughs> um, but I would go and I would read. I would literally read the articles in, in Playboy. And, in Playboy, and we it, did a Simpsons about that, about Bart and uh, Milhouse, where uh, Homer had a bunch, or, or I think it was Homer's Playboys, but all the photos have been cut out of them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so, but Bart like really getting into Playboys, so. He converted the treehouse into like house pad and had like a quadraphonic stereo. Yeah. And it was like knew a lot about Lee Marvin. <laughs> Fine jazz. Yeah, I mean, that's what, because there was like art, Nietzsche. There was an article with like Frank Miller and there was, yeah, you know, was, there John was, Waters interviewing Little Richard. There, was, there were great 
great interviews in Playboys. My dad yeah. was mad when he found out I was reading them, and I was literally like, he knew I wasn't lying when I said I was reading the articles. Like he wanted to be like, I just love tits, man. Um, like he, he was just didn't get how I wasn't, you know, like. Yeah. A, um, so they just my, my dad subscribed uh, to Penthouse, which was a little earthier. Yeah. Than oh, absolutely. Playboy. Yeah. And uh, as a result, it uh, changes your attitude towards cold cuts. Do you want a pastrami sandwich? Absolutely no, not. I don't think so. You know what? I'm a vegan. Um, <laughs> I'll you know what? Hold the sprouts. I was in uh, a movie. I did a movie with Julie Strain. Oh yeah, six foot one of fun. Worth the climb. And she was in Penthouse that month, and she was flipping through the issue on the set, <laughs> and I was talking to her, and there are the photos of her. And she's holding the magazine. Yeah. And they had some quote of hers. She goes, look at this. They put this quote right next to my roast beef. Yeah. She's a special case. That's what case. she called it. Yeah. 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 She, yeah. Did you ever read her autobiography she wrote? <laughs> no. It's literally called Six Foot One and Worth the Climb. Well, yeah. And she's, I will say yeah. I spent like four days with her. Yeah. Great. Great gal to hang out with. She fell off a horse when she was 10. Have you heard this story? No. This is what she says. I don't know how true it is, but it makes sense. She fell, and this sort of fits into what we're talking about. She fell off a horse when she was 10 and got total amnesia and had to relearn how to do everything. Oh, I, I believe that. And she says that's why she has no inhibitions because she also unlearned all the damage you learn in the first 10 years of your life is okay. what she says. Um, Could be it, true. It kind of checks I out. Do know that am- <laughs> yeah, I do know that you can get amnesia like that. Yeah. This makes me want a turtle or just go into my own I'm world and just try or just try to live a happy life and, and instead of being Mr. I like, the, I like how you say this makes me try to live happy live a happy life in the way that other people would say punch a wall. This makes me <laughs> want to live a happy life. Well wait um, a minute, Eddie's something's well, fucked with Eddie. He wants well, to live a happy life. The war in Afghanistan yeah. is now sixteen years yes old mm-hmm. and it's very clear to me that war is big business and oh, sure but it's big business and that's what is going on trump the recent bombing of syria and then the moab mother of all bombs yeah. which brian williams called beautiful beautiful did, did you did you see that <laughs> no. brian williams oh that that was a huge story brian williams was just calling the pictures coming from you know wherever they were sending these missiles from some aircraft carrier just beautiful the the tomahawk <laughs> missiles being launched these guys are just out of their fucking minds yeah. you yeah, know it was the same type of but thing. wasn't the death toll isn't the death toll up to like 94 that's like an average mass shooting here in america <laughs> you, know, you know we why don't we just drop a hillbilly with a couple of guns <laughs> And tell them that it's the gov it's the government. It's a twelve million dollar bomb. We- Wait a minute. It's a it's it's like a twelve million dollar bomb and we killed ninety four people. So that's how much per terrorist did we spend? Hey, uh, Mr. President, we've decided that we're going to just uh ship over like ten disenfranchised unemployed people. It would yeah. It would be cheaper to just bombard people with gold bars. You know, it's just that you drop them from high enough, they'll just pummel through their skulls. Did you watch or read any of about the power of that bomb? Like, it, it, it's yeah, just, but I just, I, I'm not into weapons porn. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, I just like, yeah. Well, I just go back to shock and awe. So the cruise missiles happened, mm-hmm. and, and then that other bomb happened. Yeah, as a way back of to back resetting 
mm-hmm. American foreign policy. It's like, this is a new administration and we've got a hair trigger. And if you fuck with us, we will fuck with you back. These are all policy statements. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it is. The reason that North Korea did what they did was they're testing to see what we'll do. To the uh, international community, Obama was not as aggressive as people thought he should have been. I have a different view of world affairs, but it's like yeah. the new president of the United States is like the new guy in the cell block, and you have to break somebody's jaw or no <laughs> one's going to respect you. You know, it's just one of those weird, ugly, evolutionary hangovers. Of, yeah, uh, but doesn't he – doesn't dropping that bomb, the world's biggest – I'm not defending it. No, anyway, no, no. Yeah. But doesn't that, doesn't that scare you? And they've also – they also have the doomsday clock. You know, the doomsday clock is right. And they've moved it yeah. up. Well, I remember when it was like – no, I mean it doesn't – no, it doesn't scare me. No. It doesn't scare me because I've seen it before. I've seen this movie. I saw Reagan after Carter. Right. I saw Bush after Clinton. Right. I've seen this movie before. I, I, I right. know how this goes. Yeah. Right. But the players are different. They're not different outside of, I mean, they're just different versions of the same guy. Trump, I think with yeah. a lot of Trump, it's like, why don't you golf? Go golfing again. We got this. We got this. I think it's more Mattis than those people. And I think that they yeah. just like, yeah, go, 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 go. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I try to just keep in mind that 64, I, I just read this, 64% of our discretionary, of the discretionary budget goes to the military. Yes. And the big thing is we need to rebuild our military. <laughs> So 64%. Meanwhile, exactly half of the country, half of the country or a little more is in dire straits, poverty stricken, yeah. all that stuff. And we spend so much money on this bullshit. Oh, and just, and it, we're not making – here's the thing too. And this is the big – this is a real big one for me is that supposedly the reason we do this is to make Americans – safer like where we're killing <laughs> yeah. isis what it does is just instill more fear all over the world of course and as, and here i'm going it to the airport so, it would be know. so great if you could just it would be so much cheaper to just sit down with every person and say safety is an illusion you're <laughs> never safe you can never be safe because you can never protect yourself from somebody who's willing to die so you're never going to be really safe yeah have a good day here's something i never thought i would see in my life mm-hmm. people screaming that they're not being allowed to go work in a coal mine wasn't working in a coal mine always like the well i hey i ain't working in a coal mine well, like in the in, yes in the list of jobs coal miner is like right behind guy who fluffs the donkey you know yes. it's like <laughs> what does that tell you how desperate are people for jobs yeah. Yeah, that's what it tells me. I want to work because there. just what you said is is brilliant, and I agree. I and also coal is is such a polluting fucking. Yeah. Uh, well, it's all industry. the coal miners. It's where all the clerks from Blockbuster went when Blockbuster went belly up. They went down into the coal mines. But what a failure on the part of the country to give jobs to people you and, know, and to create jobs. Obama was like, "Here's what we'll do: we'll give you a credit." It's like coal is going away. We're going to give you a credit to go to community college and learn to do something else. And they went, no, <laughs> I don't want to learn to do something else. I want to go back inside but, a fucking coal mine. But how many fucking computer but programmers are, can you have? No, And they're not enough. You know, what are the jobs there? There yeah, are not. We're moving into a jobless economy. <laughs> and by the way, yeah. by the way, that's why we'll never be safe. And that's why a guy like Trump got elected, I, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's all those theories about was it complete 
and utter racism, sexism. No, it was a bunch of stuff. It was a bunch of stuff. It was a bunch of stuff. It was just but like, how Chris Hedges, the guy I read all the time, right. just calls America at this point a deindustrialized nightmare because so many of the jobs have gone bye bye. Yeah. And they're taking more away with mechanization and one of the greatest things I saw, and they did this on real time with Bill Maher. Yeah. Was they took Donald Trump's commercials for Trump University, for which he has now paid a $25 million fraud settlement. Has he? Yeah. He paid it out like two weeks ago. Which is, okay, so this is a fraudulent enterprise proven in court. Yeah. And wow. And his campaign speeches, and it's the same speech. We're going to make things better. We're going to, it's all, it's just the same shtick. How he would sold this fraud university, how he would sell you on and and, and I'm mad at man. Hillary for being such a I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm mad at the Democrats more than anybody for fielding such a horribly weak candidate who could not beat this piece of shit. How do you lose an election to a reality TV star? Right. See, I don't know if anybody could have they I don't know I don't know who they ha- I don't believe that Bernie Sanders would have beat Trump. I know a lot of people say that he would have. I don't believe he would have. Um, He might have been a better candidate, but I just think that this was going to happen. I was like Obama. Well, at least this is going to happen. Bernie at least was speaking about the real issues, and that was the problem with Clinton. Alex Castellanos, who's a CNN Republican consultant, Mm -hmm. said he was Mm -hmm. in the airport and he saw T-shirts, and one said "Make America Great Again," and one said "Hillary Clinton for President," and like you know, one campaign. Did you might not agree with it, but it did sell you a vision. We're going to get you jobs. We're going to be great again. And the other one was, I'm with her, and it was all about her and not about the country or something. Yeah, you have to give people a story, and people vote aspirationally. And people who voted for Trump did vote because they wanted something. The, the most people didn't vote because they hate Hillary Clinton. They didn't vote because they hate Mexicans. They voted because they want jobs. They want something better. Yeah, and they voted. For and it. where it, is it? It's yeah. a scary place internationally. Right. Right. And, uh, and uh, by the way, so, and he's a complete fraud and a, and a complete charlatan, and it mm-hmm. will remain to be seen how much the cognitive dissonance of I'm a Republican, and so I'm going to vote for the Republican, and the people who will, will have been brutally ass-fucked. Right. Uh, how, will, uh, how many of those people will go, fuck this asshole? What's going to happen when they finally realize, holy shit, he completely – Fucking well. Here's the thing. Uh, they got fucked on the healthcare thing, which was nice. But, but, but here's the thing. Yeah, I know the person the Democrats are going to run against him is a little known congressman named Faggot McWeakling. <laughs> so that's why I'm worried. <laughs> well, the fu- fuck the dem- I, I, to That me- was, by the way, that was. A, I have to give credit to that. That was uh, the late great. Kevin Curran, who's a Simpsons writer, um, oh. who uh, we lost last year, uh, used to say the Democrats won't be happy until they find a guy named Faggot McWeakling. <laughs> You're listening to The Damned at Five. Yes. And I went and got, I took their records out of the library. Okay. And I taped them. The Wakefield Public Library, for some weird reason, someone donated like a punk rock collection there. And I went and I, they had um, Damn, Damn, Damned and, um, and Machine Gun Etiquette. And right. I took them out of the library. <laughs> and, and you're how old? Them. Six. God five, six. damn it. Um, and then I used to, yeah, just I mean, I was literally my, the, like, I was literally my, I didn't, like, up until like seventh grade. 
my albums were like the story of Star Wars. Right. The Star Wars. Like I was such a late bloomer. <laughs> I was musically. into Peter Pan records yeah, big I was time. Such a late bloomer musically. Well, I mean, I, I I got lucky, I think, because and I, I actually think about this a lot, where where I lived. I would never was, describe you as lucky. No, in any absolutely way, not. Um, well, your wife is. I great. was afflicted. She is great. Um, I lived just close enough to the city that I got all the college stations. Right. And if I had literally lived two miles further north, I wouldn't have got any of them. Did you get FNX? I got FNX. Yeah. I got MBR. I got, you know, which was MIT. You know, I'm friends. I don't want to, you know, put on airs, but yeah. uh, I'm friends with my guy, Ty. Oh, yeah. I don't, Ty, I worked in the morning show for years, too, when I was <laughs> okay. in college. Um, so it was, you know, I... You know, I, I'm just saying. It, well, I... Can you get me his autograph? <laughs> Um, but i was able to you know i heard all this music and i and i wouldn't have had access to that otherwise in the pre-internet age of course and the other piece of it was mtv which was actually really great at the time and night flight which night flight was was huge usa's night flight it was was crazy huge and and there was i remember like now for me i got in the night flight uh, for those of you who don't remember usa the cable network came on late 1970s and they Mm -hmm. had a show called night flight which was and it sort of was the thing that made me want to move to los angeles yes because i don't know where it came from but it had an LA feel. Well, the opening credits was, was a CGI flying over, over, yeah. the, over the San Fernando Valley, yeah. over the basin. Yeah. And and then the show Fridays had the same opening, and I was like, I want to live there. Yeah. I want to live out there. And Night Flight had that, was the first thing I remember that had that mid-century aesthetic, that Atomica, yep. they'd show old serials and educational yep. films mixed with John Waters interviews and punk rock. Right. And, and I remember yeah. seeing... Uh, I remember watching Bougie Boy. Yes, and 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 that was what, what sort of got me into Bougie Boy's. The, was in all the Devo videos. Yep. Because uh, to me, it was like, oh, it's also like a horror movie. It's also like a weird yeah. science fiction movie. I can get into this. It was um, interesting. I had- yeah, Night Flight was a huge. Uh, a keyhole into like, oh, you can have this world. You can go over here. You don't have to. You don't have to be into because everybody in my high school was just Jethro Tull and oh yeah, and all that stuff. Maybe like, Zeppelin. Oh, really cool shit over here. I got to. I in a way, and this will sound way too um, self-important, but those. I were, think this our entire conversation. That's true. My is, entire life is self-important. We, no, I, the, the, this entire conversation. Is, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to enjoy this, but, but I'm going to. This is sort of like the emotional live at least. Leads. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're day four of the podcast, everybody. Um, yep. We lost a lot of good men here. Yeah. I think in uh, seven minutes we were talking about our suicide. Yes. Well, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, but it. it um, we are stand ups. It, it's true. <laughs> I, we can't talk about this on stage. I've tried to. People don't like it. Um, yeah. 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 It's, a, it's an. I. You. I did it. For yeah. A long time, I would talk about my mom's death a lot on stage because um, there were a lot of funny things about it, and. Uh, People just they clam up immediately, and no matter how you frame it, it's really weird. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting because uh, uh, Emma Arnold, uh, one of my favorite comedians and uh, a really good friend, has a some similar stories from childhood and the way she approaches it, and it's great to watch it evolve. It's, mm-hmm. it's great to watch her find her footing. I went into it like. Yeah, head on. Rip yeah, the bandaid yeah, off. I, yeah, I went. I was. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was. It was my whole thing 
for a while. I never really it, – it's, it's – As Bobcat Goldthwait once introduced <laughs> me, please welcome the creepily truthful. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to get uncomfortable? Because we're going to get real uncomfortable. And it's going to have nothing to do with the AC, everybody. Exactly. Um, yeah. I uh, was it a night flight? Uh, bougie uh, night flight. Oh, it was curated. That was the thing. It was you would stumble on stuff that was curated by somebody. Right. Um, so it had some sort of coherence, but it was yeah. still also like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Would curate it yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, yeah, no, and, Night Flight was awesome. And so, oh, this was the ridiculously um, self-important thing I was going to say was I wasn't sleeping, but in a lot of ways, Night Flight sort of acted like dreams. Okay. <laughs> like I was okay. sort of experiencing yeah, yeah. the things uh, that the yeah, weird, what, surreal. What happens if you don't dream? If you 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 you're... lose cognitive ability. I I I, I talked to actually a Harvard professor who's the guy who discovered. Um, in a way, why we dream. And it's still theoretical because it's impossible to, to actually prove it. But he did a, a, a fairly famous psychological I find out why we dream. Yeah. I had dreaming. <laughs> You're crazy. <laughs> and then I forgot and I woke up. Um, I don't know why I turned into George Carlin there. <laughs> dreaming. Weird. It's weird, right? I got some dope. Um, so he did this test where he had people play Tetris. And then right. stop at a certain time, go to sleep, and then play it the next morning. And when they slept um, a certain amount of time, they were always better at it. Then it was trying to prove like if you crammed all night, it would right. be better if you slept. And essentially, his theory, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm not smart enough to understand that backs this up, um, is that your brain is essentially filing everything it learned that day. Okay. And the way it files it is by like events. So if it goes, oh, you played a video game today, uh, you did that before, let's store that there, let's store that here. And so your dreaming mm-hmm. is sort of an, an, a side effect of sort of all those things getting stored, which is okay. why, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense to you or like you're like, why right. did they, where did that come up? But what I also find interesting about dreams is, is clearly there's tons of there, um, sleep and dreaming for obvious reasons are, are fascinating. Mm-hmm. When, because to you and I, they've been elusive. Yeah. And that is the ultimate example of you don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I find strange about dreams is that they're also, your, your emotion is taken away. Yeah. Because like I've had dreams recently, I had a dream this week where like I was in a fight or in a, uh, and, but you're not afraid. You're, it's like watching a movie that you're also experiencing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's well put. But like neither also. Yeah. Um, and it's it, – and weirdly, sleep is also incredibly physically restorative. Like they've Oh, done, yeah, totally. That one of my – this sounds weird. But one of my favorite sort of medical oddities of the last couple of years was that they discovered that people with rabies – um, they put them in a medically. I'm listening. Yes. Let me tell you about rabies. People, they put them in a medically Ladies. induced coma for two weeks and then they're cured. Really? So they were basically like, sleep restores you. We just weren't. We just weren't letting people's bodies heal long enough. <laughs> so it's really? countries. Yeah, and it's it's really weird, and they're still sort of learning about that stuff. So it's has a. I wonder if that thing. would also affect Lyme disease. Potentially, although rabies is a, Lyme disease is a neurological disease like MS, and mm-hmm. um, and rabies is not. Oh, okay. Um, so, but um, 
and Lyme disease is some really weird treatments for that where yeah. the, the reason it's so hard to treat is because the, the membrane around your brain is almost impenetrable. Right. So they can't actually get medications in there. Yeah, I know. I, I, there's a doctor in uh, Venice who treats uh, ozone therapy. Yeah. Which is a fascinating uh, way to treat different diseases. One of the things they do is the the that there's sort of mixed um, effectiveness data, but they'll they'll lower your body temperature to a point that's dangerous, right? And your the membrane in your brain becomes permeable at that point, and then they'll infuse the drugs to fight the Lyme disease. Oh. Um, but they've there's a lot of interesting stuff, weird stuff like that. Um, things the Nazis did exactly. I go in Me waves too. from being really amped up and then I just I can't keep up with it. Right. That. What yeah. happens? It's like I get real I get I get furious. I get I get like yeah. but 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 everybody's gotta kinda come together. Like it's gotta be a community thing. It can't be people sitting behind their computers. Well that know, was like, like right? I, I I do that too, like sure. like sitting behind my computer tweeting things and going, That was a good one. Like well, that, for me. Well that was did you see the SNL short with Louis C. K. I think it's like thanks. No. It was just about like how yeah, people sit in the toilet with their laptop and feel like they've made a difference. Right. <laughs> Right, there's got to be, and and the marches, I guess, have been encouraging. But yeah, well, no, what's encouraging is that all of these special elections in these Republican districts, and the Republicans are just squeaking through. That's what's encouraging. Oh, okay. Uh, you know that Georgia special election, the Democrat might win. It's Newt Gingrich's old district. That's encouraging. Uh, but yeah. that's that's also almost inevitable. It's for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. That is physics. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. unavoidable. And that's the weird thing that I keep going back to. And I think this is something that you don't learn until you've seen a couple of these cycles go through is that our side is never going to win. And their side is never going to win. You mean it's going to be a compromise of something? No, it's always ebbs and flows. We will mm. we will go in a more progressive direction and then we'll go in a more conservative direction because the minute you give people pie, they start to want cake and the minute people get cake, they start to want pie. It's just the way things Here's work. the thing though about that. Yeah, I agree with that to an extent, but here's the thing. What's happening and this is what real I mean, there are a couple of things that really fucking piss me off about Trump, but the shit that he is doing environmentally mm -hmm. is so fucking bad. Yes. And now I don't know about you, but I mean, that is one issue that I kind of keep on top of. And the Arctic shelf melting. Yeah. I mean, we have a shelf here that you call this the Mulholland View shelf. <laughs> it is not melting, but there's a finite thing going on environmentally. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Well, then and him. Who was it? Is it, well, is then it then I, I go Scott to, Pruitt? Who he, he, I step back to the George Carlin. Thing. Like, I worry about my children's future, obviously. But yeah. but there is like, it's an existential threat that people can't wrap their head around. Um, what does Carlin say again? Uh, well, what Carlin says is like, save the planet. Like, oh. No, no, planet's fine. We're fucked, but the planet will be fine. And, and there is that macro thing like, yeah. oh, yeah, we're going to industrialize ourselves right off the fucking planet. Well, yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. All right. Uh, He's have... restarted the Keystone fucking pipeline. He's uh, they're they're doing the Dakota Access pipeline. Yeah, we're gonna do it all for jobs. You know, it's just it's just putting people to work. I, I read recently too that he said, "Well, we're gonna build." 
these fucking pipelines with U.S. steel. And then he was told, oh, Mr. President, it's too we late. can't because <laughs> the steel's already been ordered. Yeah, we, we already from. own the steel. Okay, so we're not. <laughs> well, no, Next he, one. He hasn't, said, Next one. he hasn't said anything that he's done. Yes. Yeah. Of, of any import. And he won't. And no. he won't. No. And, and it just matters to whether or not people care. You're mm-hmm. not going to build a wall across the southern border of the United States of America. Yeah, what is going on with... Nothing. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to repeal Obamacare. But this is... I'm the wall isn't happening. Has anybody ever... When has he ever been consistent about anything in his life? He's 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 a, in the moment. He's a spokesman. Yeah, he's a he's a uh, he's a car, he's a card sharp. He's a con man. Yeah, you know. But he won because he played on hate. He was like, "These are bad people. Yeah. We're gonna keep them out. We're gonna build the wall." And people yeah. like, I mean, I just, I just, yeah. you know, it's the yeah. oldest thing in the book, and you're just kind of like, yeah. I mean, so you've up. basically kind of, it seems, because I remember when it first happened, you've basically kind of calmed down about it, and I think I have too, or I don't know if it's resignation or calming down. I'm not. Well, I mean, it's part but, of resignation, and it's also part mm-hmm. just like seeing him come up against the left. Lethargy yeah. of government and the, you right. know, there's a lot of bad shit happening, and I don't want him to be the president. And uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, he may end up getting impeached with this Russia stuff. I, you know, it's like I want to see him humiliated, and but yeah. I don't know if that will ever happen. You know, I have the very I go to I hate bullies. Yeah, I hate bullies. He is a fucking bully. And when I see a bully, I want them destroyed and humiliated and it's it's one of the reasons that i don't like that sort of jerk face conservative meathead conservatism that sean hannity i'm a tough guy bro Ah. jerk conservatism i don't like uh bro comedy Mm. you know i don't Mm. i just don't like all right you don't have to come at me I don't like any of that stuff, and uh, but it's like it's just something that's going to macho exi- shit. Yeah, hyper it's just macho shithead. Hyper masculinity yeah. is the word. Hyper masculinity, preening, strutting, yeah, uh, jerky bullshit, and um, yeah. But it's, it's we're both about vulnerability on stage, which not is, in our lives. No, but. But that's why. <laughs> and I, I, I learned vulnerability from my uh, from my dog. <laughs> Which is why the first thing I do when I walk out on stage is I make a little submissive pee. I come, I leave a little. I make just a small puddle. Margaret, I told you it was a, it was a bad idea <laughs> to sit up front in a gold in a gold show. Oh, Al, come on! We love the Blue Man Group. This is just a little more toxic. <laughs> <laughs> It's coming. Here it comes. It's intermission time. Time to visit our concession stand. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the average price. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Designed, developed, and assembled in the USA, Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. It combines memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And all Casper mattresses are made in America. An award-winning mattress that won't disappoint. 
Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash Dana and using the promo code Dana. Massachusetts is shaped like a shoebox, with an arm jutting out the end of it, curled up to make a muscle. Now, with that hideous image in your mind, direct your attention to that arm's elbow. Right down there near the corner, you'll find the city of Fall River, home of many now-shuttered textile mills and the largest collection of decommissioned World War II naval vessels. Fall River is a typical New England mill town, populated by typical New Englanders. And that goes for better and for worse. This is the story of one such family, a family that suffered from, shall we say, poor skills in the area of conflict resolution. Andrew Jackson Borden was one of Fall River's most prosperous citizens. He was also, by all accounts, something of a dick. Born in the early 1800s, he struggled financially early in his life, but finally got his act together and made a sizable bankroll in the manufacture of furniture and, ironically for him, caskets. Despite being very wealthy, he had about 8 million bucks by today's standards, he was incredibly cheap, to the point that his house did not have hallways, because he considered hallways wasted space. Andrew and his wife and their two daughters lived in a modest two-floor home when they could have lived in a much bigger, much less modest home. The home had no indoor plumbing. And, because it had no hallways, the rooms were all jammed together, creating the sense of living in a giant rat maze. This also completely eliminated the flow of air, which combined with the previously mentioned lack of indoor plumbing and the hot weather made the house kind of a miserable shitbox, especially in the summer of 1892, which, according to the World Almanac, was hot as balls. With daily temperatures hovering in the 90s and 100s, the summer of 1892 saw horses collapsing in the streets of Fall River. Now, add to that a bunch of wool clothing, and you might understand why tempers back then flared a bit. But as you will see, there's a limit. Andrew Borden had two daughters, Emma and Lisbeth. Their mother died when they were young children, and three years later, their father married Abby Gray. Now, Emma and Lisbeth were not that crazy about Abby Gray, but in fine New England fashion, they kept things cordial. Here was their problem with Abby Gray. This was the 1800s, and women either got married or lived as spinsters. As for both Emma and Lisbeth, the marriage window was rapidly closing, and although they each had several suitors, they never quite reeled in a winner. Life as a spinster was depressing, but not necessarily the end of the world, provided you were provided for, and for that you needed money. In Emma and Lisbeth's case, their father's inheritance. The concern was that slowly, day by day, bit by bit, piece by piece, Abby Gray was peeling off their inheritance for her own family's use. In the past year alone, she had persuaded her husband to give a house to one member of her family 
and he was now in the process of handing over a farm to someone else. Tensions mounted. Emma and Lisbeth's resentment grew. Although the family's maid, Bridget Sullivan, attested that she never heard a voice raised in the Borden household, the Borden sisters took to calling their stepmother Mrs. Borden and stopped taking their dinners with the family. Then one day, some cash disappeared from Mr. Borden's safe. It was obvious that his daughter Lisbeth was the culprit, or as she was called, Lizzie, and everyone as a result started to padlock their doors. The front door itself had three padlocks, and now everyone's bedroom had a padlock as well. Mr. Borden bought a padlock and left its key on the mantelpiece, as if daring his daughter Lizzie to take it. Lizzie loved animals, all animals. In fact, she built a coop of sorts in the family's barn loft to feed and tend to the neighborhood pigeons. Unfortunately, this led to an unforeseen circumstance. The young boys in the neighborhood would frequently break into the Borden family barn and try to hunt the pigeons. Well, Andrew Borden didn't care for that, and so he came up with a rather, let's say, extreme solution. He went in there with an axe, got every pigeon, and cut its head off. Nice. This, combined with the family conflict over Emma and Lisbeth's dwindling inheritance, the hot summer heat, set the Borden household to boil. On the sweltering morning of August 3rd, the former Abby Gray went to their local doctor to tell him that she believed she had been poisoned. Her illness, she had been up the entire night before, retching with an awful stomach ailment, was blamed on bad mutton, which had been lying out in the heat now for a couple of days, but that cheapo-cheapo Andrew Borden insisted the family keep eating until it was gone. That said, later that same day, Lizzie visited a pharmacy in town and tried to buy some poison, prussic acid. She said she needed it to clean an old coat, but was not allowed to buy it without a prescription. Lizzie's sister Emma then left Fall River to visit a sick friend in Fairhaven. This left Lizzie at home alone with her parents and her real mother's brother, her uncle John Morse, who was visiting. The following morning, August 4th, broke hot and mean in Fall River, Massachusetts. At 7 a.m., Andrew Borden and his wife Abby had breakfast with Uncle John, who then went off to visit relatives in another part of town. Lizzie went upstairs as she didn't want to eat with her stepmother anymore. The curse of the bad mutton had since moved on to the family maid, Bridget Sullivan, who punctuated her chores that morning by running in and out of the house to boot, this being before the invention of sick days. At some point that morning, between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m., while Andrew Borden and Uncle John Morse were out of the house, and Bridget was out back either being sick or in the house doing dishes, and Lizzie was either upstairs or out back, depending on whether or not you believe her testimony, someone went into Abby's room and hit her in the head with an axe. Nineteen times. And then, nothing. Bridget went back to doing dishes, and Lizzie went back to fooling around on the Internet or whatever it was that people did in the 1890s. All was right with the world, if a little wet and really quiet, in Abby's room. Andrew Borden came home around 10.40, went into the sitting room and took off his shoes. And then, at some point, between 10.55 and 11 a.m., he took 11 axe blows to the head. 
At 10 minutes after 11, Bridget Sullivan reported that Lizzie screamed to her, Come down! Someone has killed father! And from there, the shit hit the fan. Police arrive. A crowd gathers. Finally, someone begins to inquire about Mrs. Borden. Where's Abby? At which time, someone went upstairs into her bedroom, and the shit hit the fan again. The initial investigation was based on the premise that an axe-wielding madman snuck into the Borden house and killed Mr. and Mrs. Borden while not killing Lizzie and Bridget Sullivan. This would also have required him or her to kill Mrs. Borden and then hang out for an hour without killing anybody else. Lizzie told the police that she was in the loft of the barn looking for small irons to use as fishing sinkers at the time of the murder and after having found them, hung out for about 20 minutes up there, eating a pear. Police later realized that it was about 100 degrees in the barn loft at that time, and the thick coat of dust on the floor was undisturbed by footprints. Lizzie then said, No, wait, did I say that? No, I was in the backyard. Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha! Wrong. Because over the course of the investigation, a witness came forward that corroborated that, yes, at least for a moment, Lizzie was indeed in the backyard. Lizzie's interview with the police was strange and at times contradictory. She was in the house, and then she wasn't in the house. She heard a noise, and then she didn't. But assuming she was innocent, she would have been in massive shock, complicated by the sedatives that the local doctor gave her. No murder weapon was found, and Lizzie had not one speck of blood on her clothes, on her hair, or on her skin which is no small feat if you just pulled off double axe murders. By the way, why is a murder called a murder, but a murder with an axe gets to be an axe murder? What's so special about axes? And so the day of August 4th came and went with no suspect and no charges filed. The good people of Fall River knew who did it, however. It was visiting Uncle John Morse, who, despite having an ironclad alibi as to having being across town at the time with many, many witnesses... When he went outside of the house to post a letter, he was chased by a mob and nearly killed. The police investigation originally centered around the theory that the axe-wielding madman was a visiting Portuguese laborer who had quarreled with Andrew Borden several days before. But the police could not get around the fact that the murderer would have had to have remained in the house undetected for an hour and a half between murders while not killing Lizzie or Bridget. It just didn't add up. And then Lizzie, whose contradictory statements had previously roused the investigators' suspicions, did something really suspicious. Alice Russell, a friend of the family who agreed to stay with Emma and Lizzie in the chaotic days following the murder, walked into the kitchen and found Lizzie burning a blue dress, which she said was, quote, covered in paint. It was never determined if the dress was stained with blood or paint. But the mysterious action did not help Lizzie's case. Not one bit. Lizzie appeared at the inquest on the day of August 8th. She had been prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves, and it is possible that this affected her testimony. Still, the district attorney was very aggressive and confrontational. Lizzie contradicted herself, 
such as claiming she had been in the kitchen reading a magazine when their father arrived home. Then she claimed that she was in the dining room doing some ironing when he came home. Then she claimed that she was coming downstairs when he came home. On August 11th, Lizzie was served with a warrant and jailed. A grand jury began hearing evidence on November 7th, and Lizzie was indicted on December 2nd. Now, by this time in Massachusetts and the surrounding states, the Lizzie Borden trial took on the sensational aspects and news coverage of the OJ trial or any other super celebrity modern day gawkathon. And the prosecutor had a good case, but unfortunately, it was entirely circumstantial. A broken hatchet head was found in the basement, covered in blood and hair. And forensics revealed that it was the blood and hair of a cow and not the murder weapon. According to testimony, the maid left Lizzie and her father downstairs around 11 a.m. Lizzie testified that she went into the barn for 20 minutes, and a local man testified that he did see Lizzie out back around the barn around 11.03. No bloody clothing was ever found. No traces of the famous burn dress were usable. And believe it or not, there was a similar axe murder nearby shortly before the trial though its perpetrator was shown to have been out of the country when Andrew and Abby Borden were killed. But, yeah, I guess back then, people did wander into your house and kill you with an axe. That's why they call them the good old days. On June 20th, after deliberating an hour and a half, the jury returned. Lizzie Borden was found not guilty. No one else was ever charged in the murders, and they continued to be the subject of research and speculation. Now, despite being ostracized by Fall River Society, Lizzie remained there for the rest of her long life, finally succumbing to pneumonia in 1927 at the age of 67. She lived with her sister until 1905 when Emma moved out as the result of an argument over a party. They never saw each other again. More than anything else, Lizzie Borden is now famous for her rhyme, Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When he saw what she had done, gave her father 41. At the time, this was uh, sung by children to the tune of Tarara Bumdie. Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. You get it. This is a story of family issues resolved in the most New England of fashions. Don't say anything until it's time to get an axe. Great story if it ends there, right? Well, it does. But it needn't for you. Why not pick up a copy of The Borden Murders by Sarah Miller? Or The Fall River Tragedy by Edwin Porter? Or the 2014 film Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, starring Christina Ricci? Or my first exposure to The Borden Murders, The Legend of Lizzie Borden? A 1970s TV movie starring Elizabeth Montgomery. That's right, bewitched! Killing people with an axe! the way she should have on the show. All of these are available at Amazon.com. Also on the homepage of DanaGould.com, you'll see options to donate to the show or subscribe through PayPal. Every cent goes back into the show, and please know we appreciate what, if anything, you can do. But that's not all. You can also visit our store at ComedyFilmNerds.com. For Bevilacqua heating and air conditioning t-shirts, Dana Gouldauer t-shirts, signed vinyl copies of Funhouse and Let Me Put My Thoughts in You, the vinyl release of I Know It's Wrong, signed CDs and DVDs, 
Dana Gould Hour posters, canned hams, and cream corn, all signed by me. Just in time for your pre-North Korean nuclear apocalypse entertainment storage facility. Boy, after pimping out all of that bullshit, I am hungry. You know, this episode of the Dana Gould Hour is brought to you by Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients taste better and are better for you. So it's important to know where your food comes from. Look, I'm a single dad, and I can't cook. My oldest daughter likes to say, I boil steak. But since Blue Apron, they have been genuinely surprised that Dad has actually thrown down some decent meals. The other night, I prepared pork chops and miso butter, and it was fantastic. And I made it. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-proportioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's pork chops and miso butter or spicy shrimp and coconut curry, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So thank you again to Blue Apron for supporting this podcast. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash D-G-H. Make sure you get yours and enjoy it now. One thing every teenager has in common with every other teenager... They all feel like they are the first person to ever be a teenager. It's a universal truth. And as you go through the catalog of your life's experiences, it is hard to remember that you aren't the first person to experience what you're experiencing. Especially when it comes to being a teenager or acts of social or cultural rebellion, if you live in this country. Because in America, rebellion is a tradition. To that point, it is often true that, for a time at least, every generation thinks they're the first generation to be weird. At least when you're still swathed in the downy narcissism of youth. I remember one night in the late winter of 1986, I was 22 years old, I had just moved to San Francisco. I didn't know a ton of people, and on a perfectly typical cold, rainy, foggy, creepy, miserable San Francisco winter night, I drove by myself to the Lumiere Theater and went to see the movie that all of my friends were raving about, Blue Velvet. What a great movie to see by yourself on a creepy night in a sketchy neighborhood. You see, for the uninitiated, the Lumiere Theater in San Francisco is a little art house cinema that is wedged between two very different neighborhoods with equally suggestive names, Knob Hill and Polk Gulch. Knob Hill is where you go to live if you're wealthy, and Polk Gulch is where you go if you uh, want to get poked in your gulch. But I digress. 
So, I go to see Blue Velvet, and it blows my mind. Mommy! Mommy. Mommy loves you. Baby wants to fuck. Get ready to fuck! You fuckers, fucker! You fucker! Don't you fucking look at me! That movie killed me. I had never seen anything like it before. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. And of course, I walked out of the theater thinking, no one has ever made a movie that weird before. Of course, how could anything cool have happened before I came along? It's an incredibly narcissistic viewpoint, along the same lines as the people who think the world is going to end next month. Oh, sure, it's been here billions of years, but it's all going to come down while I'm here to see it. But if you want to see a movie every bit as weird as Blue Velvet, even more daring, in fact, and that it was made by a major studio with bigger stars, made 24 whole years earlier, you want to go see 1962's Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Want to see it again, little girl? It shouldn't frighten you. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane is a movie that, to borrow an expression from my father, is as crazy as a shithouse rat. The film tells the story of Jane Hudson and her sister Blanche. Jane was a giant Shirley Temple-like star as a child. She was the model for a top-selling doll and even had a super creepy hit song. But fame and fortune were a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away for Jane. And now she is living out her retirement with her sister Blanche, who as an adult became a much bigger movie star than Jane could have ever hoped to be. A tragic accident has put her in a wheelchair and delivered her into the care, quote-unquote, of her sadistic, envious, and psychologically unbalanced sister. Now these two faded stars and bitter rivals were played by real-life stars and bitter, bitter rivals, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, who, in real life, fucking hated each other. And this hate affair is played out on screen over the course of the movie. Jane, deeply psychotic, believes that her sister Blanche is having her committed to an asylum. Pretty good guess. So, over the course of the movie, she punches her, kicks her, pushes her down the stairs, ties her up, gags her, keeps her a prisoner, feeds her her pet parakeet for lunch, tries to feed her a dead rat for dinner, and finally leaves her to die of neglect and dehydration. Along the way, delivering some of the most famous lines in movie history. You wouldn't be able to do these awful things to me if I weren't still in this chair. But you are, Blanche. You are in that chair. The film's ending would make even David Lynch proud. Blanche lies on the beach, dying of dehydration, while Jane, her mind utterly collapsed, dances about her merrily, dressed up and made up as a pretty little girl, 
holding two melting ice cream cones. <laughs> but not all the fun was on screen. Betty Davis hated Joan Crawford. She thought she was a preening no-talent who stole the love of her life, actor Franchot Tone, right out from under her nose. So, in the scene where Jane brutally kicks Blanche down the stairs, Betty missed and accidentally kicked Joan in the real head, sending her to the hospital. Later in the movie, Betty had to drag Joan across the floor, so Joan put on a lead deep-sea diver's weight belt under her dress, causing Betty to fuck up her back. Oh, the list goes on and on. Lastly, Betty Davis was nominated for an Oscar for her role. Joan Crawford was not. But Betty didn't win. The Academy Award that year went to Anne Bancroft for The Miracle Worker. But Anne couldn't make the ceremony because she was doing a play in New York. So who accepted for her? I'll give you a hint. It was Joan Crawford, who went out of her way to walk right past Betty Davis on her way to the stage. Now, I know what you're saying. Dana, doesn't knowing so much about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford make you gay? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Everyone knows that liking musicals is what makes you gay. But it does bring me full circle. Back to Blue Velvet. I remember leaving the movie theater, walking back to my car. It was late. It was foggy. It was dark. It was rainy. And the only people on the streets were me and this gay hooker dude. Cruiser dude. He was posted down at the corner, and I was walking right towards him. He saw me walk up to him. He looked me in the eye, and then I walked right past him. And I guess he got really offended because he stamped his feet really hard on the ground. Maybe that's code. I don't know. I just kept walking. What can I tell you? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Settle back now, content, comfortable, well-fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. You're talking about your uh, the weird things of your your mom's death and and your sister's death. Yeah. So who's in your family and and when did the the, the deathathon start? So there's just four of us. Uh, uh-huh. There's my father, my mother, and my sister. Um, my sister was diagnosed with cancer when I was 13. She was 10. Okay. Um, which she survived. Uh, it was osteosarcoma, which is a bone cancer, and then goes into your lungs, but never really recovered from it in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Uh, had a lot of like long lasting psychological problems from it. Um, well, yeah, because that's pretty traumatic. And yeah, uh, no, she know. had to have an allograph, which is essentially they took out her femur bone and replaced it with a cadaver. So it's like a thirty eight hour surgery. Uh-huh. She had that three times. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, got a lot of infections, um, went basically full body tattoo, a lot of drinking, you know, opiates, heroin. Right. Um, and then at that point, it was like, whatever you, whatever you need. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, and eventually that killed her. Um, she went to sleep one night, had been clean for a month. All her organs just stopped working. 
Uh, was it? Do you think the opiates and the I, recreational I think, drugs? Yeah, it was cancer and the, it was a combination. She had a um, a, a drug. I think it's called erythromycin, which is one of the chemotherapy drugs she had, right. which is known for weakening your heart. Uh-huh. So her lifespan would have been shorter anyway, right? But shorter like forty, not twenty seven. Right. <laughs> so right. she uh, she died when she was twenty seven. My mom and my mom and her developed this really kind of sick um, codependent relationship after my sister was sick where they kind of lived in this own little weird world. Right. Um, no one understands what we're going through kind of thing. Oh, was your mom sick? Um, my mother definitely suffered from a lot of mental illness uh-huh. um, and and was a pill popper, like a lifelong pill popper. Um, and, and, you know, but it's okay, the doctor gave it to me. It's okay yeah. if I take this muscle relaxant. <laughs> seen, seen some of that at addresses I've lived in as yes. a child. Yes. Um, you know, my mom was also a compulsive gambler and, you know, would always buy stuff from catalogs and we, we didn't have any money, but would like max out, like the, Jeez. under the bed was just filled with Spiegel things from the Spiegel catalog unopened. Um, it's so creepy. Yeah. And so she, once my sister died, she totally went off the rails. Um, my mom tried to kill herself in 2005 and never really recovered. Like she had the sort of cognitive issues after that. Right. Um, so, well, I can't envision losing a child. Yeah, I couldn't imagine what that. I really couldn't understand yeah. what no, that would I, possibly. I, like. I, I don't know. And I they, mean, I mean, they I lived know together. Who have but. And they lived together. They were, you know, every day. Like yeah. it was way. Um, and I wasn't really speaking to them that much at that time because you know I have to. Survive. Get up every day. Yeah. Um, and, and how old are you? 20? I was, yeah, like I moved out when I was 18. Yeah. And um, so I didn't really take, because every time the phone rang, I'd be like, what awful weird no, scam no, I, are they I, pulling? I, 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 17, gone. Yeah. Because yeah. it would always be like, can you drive me I have to get this I thing? Have and to I have survive. Yeah. It, but it would be something weird to be like, I, there's a guy with a boat that I said I would help get this, <laughs> yeah, you know, some, like, some guy <laughs> yeah. at the bar, you know, and I'm like, so I would, yeah. so... Sister died. After- I always go like, your sister needs a car. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it's like, well, actually, it's a vintage Corvette. No. It's down in Raynham. Yeah. You're going to trade it to a guy up in Brockton, yeah. but he's a, just bring it there. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no. If you need a car, I could buy you a Honda. Forget it! Yeah. Click. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh God. Yeah, yeah. My sister would call me up. Um, she'd be high a lot, so sometimes I literally couldn't understand a word she said. But she'd call me at work, and it would be like, I need some money. And I'm like, I can't give you money. You stuck up fucking frag out. <laughs> like, without, like, just flipping out. Or like, if you can marry me. Like, that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. So, yes, I do. Yes, indeed. <laughs> You're correct. Uh, <laughs> correct. Continue. 100% correct. So, my mother never recovered you from that. You fucking You're a fucking asshole. Oh, I know it well. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then, like, they also. The two of them would always run scams. You know, my sister was running check scams all the time, or Na- all this kind of stuff. Natch. Yeah, Natch. so they never really understood that people. It's shameless. Yeah, they never understood that, but they assumed everyone was like that. Yeah. So, like my dad, when they got divorced, he went. It's and, the same thing insurance companies do. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Actually, no. Who does it hurt? <laughs> um, you know, do do it under the table. But uh, my dad went and lived in a shitty apartment and and worked his day job and cleaned toilets at a hotel at night and you know bought a condo. And right. they, but they, that 
possibility didn't exist to them. They would be like, right. your father's got fucking money somewhere. And, you know, so it was like, no, no, no. <laughs> okay. So I didn't talk to them. Um, my, my sister died, uh, which was a whole cacophony because she was in Texas. And I had to get on the phone with the with a weird, unscrupulous uh, funeral director because they had sold her leg for parts. It's a double The fourth time she got ended up getting like a platinum and titanium bone. So I was like, I was just, yeah. Now they think she's in the X Men. Yeah, we got a fucking Robocop. I don't know why yeah. the Texans are from uh, Southie, but uh, I, I get Is it. Is this that man, You better tell me. In your funeral home the other day, I'm honest to God, a cyborg. For real. Fucking cyborg. Aliens are fucking here. So then my mother. It's a fucking cyborgs. Fucking cyborgs come down. They're probably lizards. I don't know. So did you get the leg back? No, I got the guy. So it's terrible. He knocked money off the price of the funeral. Okay. Um, also, the grave that my sister is in is, is a grave, one gravesite. My grandfather, my grandmother, my mother, my sister, my aunt are all in this one grave because it's the only one the family has. Um, it's sort of like bridge mix. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's like Christmas 1989. Um, <laughs> so my mother never really recovered. She it's was sort of like <laughs> cadaver gumbo. Cadaver gumbo. It's a little bit of everything in there. You would never kind of know. Um, <laughs> Growing up in a household where both of my parents were really out of it a lot. Yeah. Um, out of it. Out of it. Um, <laughs> chemically unavailable. Uh, <laughs> chemically unavailable. Chemically, chemically unavailable. Yes. That I'm used to the person in charge being asleep at the switch. And the country is really going through a big Al-Anon phase. Like, yeah, dad's crazy. Yeah, dad's like everybody get like it's like whatever his tweet is today like my cock's a garden hose and my chimney fucks it like whatever he says and people just shrug yeah dad's nuts here's a horrible admission i'm gonna make publicly is that you killed a hobo with your car <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen no is that yeah the president is a fucking substitute father and there are times where i watch this guy trump and i have felt sorry it's like watching my dad yeah like i'm very aware of it or at least to an extent that my shrink who god rest his soul committed suicide recently <laughs> because he thought he could take me on and that mid-session Hang on he just slow, I was like, what are you doing with the gun? I, I can change. I can change. And then he took his own yeah. life. And I was like, whoo, that yeah. was close. I know. <laughs> I, uh, Ed, I, I, uh, Ed, I don't want you to, to read too much into this, but this is all your fault. Boom. <laughs> but I've watched. What Trump. a weird thing for your shrink to do. This is all your fault. And then he kills himself. And it's a symbol of your progress that you reject that. <laughs> and the reason he's done that is because none of his patients get any better. And he's he's like, you, you walk, know, I'm a failure, you, but I'm going to fuck this kid. You walk into his waiting room and it's just people hanging from the rafters like in a like in a butcher freezer. <laughs> Who's your therapist, Joey Gallo? Joey Gallo. <laughs> we're going up for we're going up for clams tonight. Wasn't eating clams when he got shot. So what's your problem? That would be funny. I, I don't know, know if it's Joey been Gallo done because of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just some mob guy. It'd be funny, a mob guy at your president, as your president, as <laughs> your fucking. There is a mob guy as a president. What's your fucking problem? Well, but, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm filled terrible. with doubt. You know what we're gonna do? He, we're gonna talk to your doubt. 
tonight. I, I'm going to send... <laughs> I'm going to send Fingers Moderation over, and he's going to talk to your doubt tonight. But before Where's we, your doubt work? <laughs> but before we do that, before we do that, I want you to put your doubt in this chair <laughs> and talk to it. All right? Just say things like, hello, doubt. How come I don't have faith in life? <laughs> wow. And then you realize this guy isn't half bad. I mean, he's, got, he's, he's a dual personality. Yeah. Here's what you got to do. Sometimes you got to sit your doubt down in the chair. And you got to hit it with a bag of oranges. <laughs> I never understood because the that fruit. Because they don't bruise. I never understood the fruit in the bag. And I always, I when I heard. because you don't bruise. Yes. And, and I when know. I heard that, I was like, you know, these, and this is me because I am so, so insane. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> these guys do put in a lot of thought to what they do. First, we try to shoebox with a pineapple in the it. Progression. That didn't work. <laughs> the progression to get to oranges yeah. was rough. Yeah. Well, first, we just had a sack of knives, yeah. and that was cutting. Let me tell you what was beautiful, and I don't know why it stuck. Super soaker full of cat pee. <laughs> we would get a super soaker full of cat pee and zap them in the eyes, and that would be just stuff like... The I do that to my wife when she tell me to take out the trash. I want five more minutes. Super soaker full of cat pee. I get five minutes. I mean, that would be funny too. If Florida orange oranges, or the orange grow was was like was like. Not only are we a good source of vitamin C, but we don't bruise. <laughs> not only are we a good source of vitamin C, but if you put us in a bag, we don't bruise, and it's a handy way of gaining information from someone from a rival family. Florida oranges. <laughs> They're more than healthy. Right? They're a way to persuade. <laughs> just a way to Dan, persuade. why do you have an orange in a sock? Like one guy just has one orange. That would be a great billboard. Florida oranges, a way to persuade. <laughs> but it is true. so much better than a sock full of nails. It is true. Oh, I bet that would hurt like a fuck. A sock full of nails? Oh, yeah, getting hit with a sock full of like roof nails. You know, what's funny is that, you know, you might as well just get a board with nails sticking out of it. Like, why put things in bags and socks? Just Yeah. (laughs) It would be funny if, like, the Crusaders, like, had, like, their clubs in bags or socks. Like, hey, why not just have the club out, Bob? We're doing this out in the open. Or it doesn't bruise in a bag. Well, we want to bruise them. We're sending a message here for the Empire. Oh. By the way, talking about... The- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I feel terrible. Talking about the Crusades and just talking we about... We were? All the- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of all the violence that has gone out, oh, gone sure. on throughout history. Throughout human history. We are... I don't know if you agree with this because you're a nice guy, but we are a disgusting species. A disgusting, horrific play yeah of course yeah. it's unbelievable though. yeah of course you know i mean there's mozart and, and then I, there's joey gala okay, so and here, no effect all, right, so <laughs> you know, all right so here's a giant question yeah we are taking this to a place i did not anticipate i thought we were going to spend the entire time talking about your decision to come out about cross-dressing and we're not even going to get near it um <laughs> Yeah, we're horrible. And the yeah. other animal and chimpanzees, our closest genetic relatives, also horrible. Yeah. But the Bonobos, have you heard about the Bonobos? The band? <laughs> They're I, beautifully compassionate. I, oh, I, I look don't, them up. No, I want to get let's talk about the Bonobos, because I want to get into that. Yeah. But let us say that human beings are the only creatures on the earth that are uh, capable of achieving a state of grace. Yeah. 
do we not go back to that law of physics, the Newton's law, that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, that yes, and because we are the only creatures that can achieve a state of grace, we are also the only creatures that figured out that if you tie a guy to the top of bamboo stalks and keep him alive for two weeks, that the bamboo will grow up through his body, which is a, which is a Chinese torture. Oh, oh you know? my God, you know, when yeah. I hear about tortures, yeah. well, like I've what this has been act. done to I say people. this in my act. We had crucifixion mm-hmm. before toothpaste. But, you know, <laughs> that was the problem. We had to solve, hey, everybody's teeth are falling out. Yeah, and a lot of guys are walking around not nailed up to boards. Can I just solve one fucking problem at a time, please? Ezekiel ate a peach on a Tuesday. I can't let that go unanswered. Hey. Then we'll get to toothpaste. <laughs> Yeah, peaches bruised. By the way, we what? We, we spent so don't, don't it, We spent so much time coming up with crazy tortures. Tortures so far exceeded medicine. It's it's crazy. But it's amazing, though, the capacity for cruelty, and it comes from our clan. It doesn't seem like we can we can go outside out of our clan. Like we we don't have compassion for others. Like just talking about the Crusades where just brutally going overseas for the Christian church to convert people, yeah. right? The other, the other mm-hmm. is a huge thing. Like we don't we don't see this unity and we Well the, you know it's interesting. The first scene in two thousand one Oh, yeah. It's two tribes of apes fighting over a water right. hole. Right. It's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. Now it's... Shaved it's, apes fighting over a water... Now it's shaved oil. apes fighting over a water hole. Now it's shaved apes fighting over oil. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or coal. Gotta be getting a coal mining coal. back. It's just so great. I gotta work in the mine. If this guy... <laughs> what do you mean, Al? Your your whole family died of black lung. <laughs> and they were better for it. What? Did you see? Yeah, when when the miners came out, the, there were no old miners. Did you notice <laughs> that? When the, when the coal miners came out to thank Trump, everybody topped out at about 40. I just remember him going, that was some hug, like some big blue collar guy at one of his rally, one of his Hitlerian rallies, yeah. like hugged him. And he goes, that was some hug. Let me tell you something. That was not a soft hug. And everybody's like, not a soft hug. I love this guy. They were just looking. Yeah. And hugs are violent now. Well, it's just, <laughs> but I love people whose bar is set so low. It's like, look, I worked in a coal mine. Your mama starred. And gangbang videos. And we worked hard. And now we want you to go out and be the best hooker you can be. And you're not like your mama. You're only going to sleep with four men at a time. That's the, we're going to top out at four. Because we want to give you a better life. I just want to get into a very dangerous small hole in the earth. Being sequestered in there by a little wooden dolly (laughs) and where I can't breathe and peck away at toxic material and come home covered in soot. That's all I want for my family. I worked hard so your brother could have a job eating boats. Eating boats. He's got all the old rotten boats. He eats them. That's his job. Yeah. Get a better job. Well, there are none. Like we you, talked about there. Yeah. There are none. Well, in is these... there the element of the Sam Kennison joke about Ethiopia moved to the food? <laughs> Maybe moved to the jobs. But, I know I'm being. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. No, no, no. I also. I know. Yeah. 
I just don't understand people that really can't wait to go to work in a fucking They do mine. move out of these fucking places. But also environmentally, too. Coal mining, they blow up fucking mountaintops. Oh, oh by the way. They blow up here's, fucking mountains. And this is, they kill everything. It's, it's, it's death. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. we live in a culture of death. And this is also interesting. And Obama was guilty of this, too, when he was running. With, well, we're uh, putting a lot into clean coal. That, what the fuck does that mean? Nothing. Yeah. Well, it the oil guys. It does Clean coal, when you hear it, remember this. It's not a thing. <laughs> it's a complete... It's like, well, we're really putting a lot but, of effort into the new lilac-scented shit. <laughs> it's not real. Yeah, exactly. So she was doing just awful, was living in the shithole. Eventually, my wife and I were like, Come live with us for a bit so you can get on your feet and hopefully you can sort stuff out. She became obsessed with getting on disability. <laughs> collecting. <laughs> collecting disability. Collecting. And I was like, you're not going to get on disability. And oh, she, was, she was hanging out this bar. Eddie Batterijan yeah. fell off a phone oh, pole. Yeah. He's collecting. And oh, that's, God. And that's the myth in Boston, too, it's where so, she would go to this bar. It's the golden calf. Yeah, they go. It's the golden calf. They don't even speak English. They got 48 kids. They're collecting <laughs> old age benefits. You could do that. And I'd have to be like, you don't understand this. Like, my day job, <laughs> you will not get this. I know this stuff. It's not going to happen. Collecting. Yeah. And she would literally be like, can I borrow $20 and I'll pay you when I get my disability? No. So she never got the disability. Um, it just got worse and worse. And it was, you know, I've never done a drug in my life, never had alcohol for good reason. And when she was living with us, it was like a 13, like a 14-year-old troubled teen. Like she'd come home high. And uh, she's how old at this point? 60. And, you know, there was all this weirdness, like, I, this guy was going to paint my car because I, you know, <laughs> oh it was God. like, we had to go, oh, he took my fucking car. and I yeah. gotta, If you could give me 200 in cash yeah. on Thursday, I'll I can give, give you $500 in food stamps that yeah. you can change for $400 in cash, but exactly. you got to go to Maine. Yep. Yeah. But it's fine. And so she killed oh, herself in God. my house. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and so the joke I was making is my mother died in my house, which was rude. Um, you know, I didn't kill her. She did that herself. But you might, just because I was talking and you kind of dropped it in there, yeah. you kind of snuck it by like a goal. Yeah. Your mom killed herself in your house. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you're how old? This was three years ago. So okay. I was 33. Um, and it was. I love that you're not being a pussy about it. Yeah, fuck <laughs> this. I was like, come on, you could have done it somewhere fucking else. I got to clean this shit up. Oh, God. Um, did you find her or did your wife find her? Uh, we both did. So okay. she was staying in our guest room. And, so you bonded on that. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, and we, every year on that day, we, we reenact it and it's great. Um, Worst Easter morning ever. <laughs> I did feel. I was yeah. looking for eggs. <laughs> what did I find? I did feel horrible for my wife, though, because uh, I realized in 2005, my grandfather's funeral, she went. And they don't do open caskets in England. My wife's from England. Uh -huh. And we walk in and she's like, what the fuck is that? Like, I'm it like, because there's just a freaking body there. It is a sick, yeah. it is it's a weird, sick yeah. tradition. And that's the only time she had well, seen the body. Well, then you get strap with the whole concept of cemeteries. Yeah, it's bizarre. And you, um, you back right into the George Carlin bit. Exactly. So this was like only the second time she'd ever seen a body. And I'm like, man, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're getting everything, baby, when you come marry me. How did, uh, how did your mom take her life? Uh, pills. Okay. So so she had OD'd 
the Christmas before that, which I do actually think was a mistake because she was uh-huh. just taking so much stuff. Not, a, just not be a like, d- dry run. I don't think that was a dry run. Oh, five was she uh-huh. really. Um, but I think she literally just got confused at that point. But um, which I think in hindsight, this time she tried to stage to kind of look like that. But the amount of um, opiates in her system, there's like you can't accidentally take. No, yeah, you know what I mean. Like you take like four. This Um, was a gig. Yeah, so it was. um, But and this will sound odd. It was in a lot of ways a best case scenario because she just looked like she was asleep, you know. Uh And we thought she was asleep, but and it was. And I really didn't recognize that she was dead till I touched her. And I know what a you know a rigor mortis body feels like. It's you know, and I saw the bruising. and yeah, I had to identify a guy that got pulled out of a lake once. Here's a weird story that I realized uh, that, that I just remembered a couple weeks ago. My mother was always really obsessed with dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, when they would pull bodies out of like bodies of water, she would make us go watch. <laughs> she would make us go watch. And I, I remembered this because after she died, her friends her friends were like talking to me about like so New England. Yeah. It's like, so oh let's go see. Fucking Baroque. I remember being seven or eight and asking her why we're doing that. She's like, Well, they never show you this part on the news. Like it's some kind of like oh, behind okay. the scenes, you know, like yeah. we're on a factory tour. They don't show brain surgery. Yeah, I'm like, you don't have to, to see watch. that. But she told me this her friend, they went to Catholic school, St. Mary's, and they were a problem. So to punish them, they're maybe eight, nine, the nuns used to make them go to every wake and funeral that they had in the church and stare at the bodies. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, this this is all clicking now wow. in a really weird way. Um, That's the first time I've ever heard of something fucked up happening because of religion. I think it might have just been this one church because I don't think I don't think it was definitely you know uh, everybody. This was probably a rogue church doing something <laughs> weird because none of the other ones have ever done anything yeah, like that. No, they're all so um, yeah, all of them. It's so bizarre. <laughs> all helpful. So I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So it was. Yeah, it was weird. But I was also like, this is, I don't think she was ever going to get her life on track. Um, I don't think she was ever going to get better. I, you know, it was decades and decades. She had a yeah. horrible childhood. It was horribly mm-hmm. abused. Um, so, yeah, no, some people, um, you know, the, the, the psychic tsunami that people, uh, you surf it. Yeah. Or you, or it kills you. Yeah. You can drown in it or you can learn how to surf it. But even if you're surfing it, you're surviving, but you're not relaxed. No, you're, you're treading it's water. A job. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a job. Every day is a job. And, uh, and um, uh, I relate to those people. Yeah, those, it's, those are the people that are the closest to me. It's, it's, I think people, especially of a certain generation, like my parents' generation, look at it like a cold. You got over it. You got your rest now. Shut the fuck up, and you're over it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, it's a chronic thing. Well, that was, you know, again, I, I, I always think of Kennedys don't cry. Yeah. Like, you should. Yeah. You should cry. And I maybe you wouldn't all be alcoholics if you cried a little. I wish I I I don't cry. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Either. But I do if I'm watching a movie. A movie will make me cry, but I've never cried once. I've never shed a single tear for any of my family members. I never cry. No, not, I haven't either. And it just doesn't. It just, and it's not that I don't 
feel empathy or feel bad about it. It's so matter of fact. But I'll yeah. watch Babe Pig in the City, and when Flea Lig's little wheelchair flips over, sure. and I'm worried that he's going to be dead. Yeah, you know, Niagara Falls. Yeah, sure. I uh, cried at my dog Skip. Yeah. So it's you know I don't know if that's just like bleeding the radiator or what. Yeah, I think different things trigger you. Yeah, uh, I, I think that it's in there. But there's also my guess is when it comes to those traditional triggers like family members, people like you, and to a lesser extent me, uh, uh, you already have such a brick wall yeah. of of defense up there to protect yourself that that's not going to get there. That's, yeah. that's, for that, for you to cry, that would mean that that wall would be down and then you would have been exposed to so much other stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm also the crisis. Like I'm great in a crisis. Like, like I when that too. happened, I'm a crisis. you know, my mother's I'm dead. A crisis yeah. And I'm a train wreck on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to do it. You know, my wife's going, Hazel, Hazel. And I'm just like, she's dead. I'll go call. And then, you know, the ambulance gets there and I was so calm. Yeah. The guy goes, you know, did you, how do you know her? Was she renting a room? And I'm like, no, it's my my mother and he's like oh right and, you know i'm cracking jokes with the cops while we're filling out paperwork and because it's what else are you gonna do i don't know i yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. know how else to conduct myself you know no i uh, yeah I, I um get but you feel weirdly um you know it is gal uh, gallows humor i guess yeah yeah um but at the same time i don't feel like it's um uh fetishizing the sort of morbidity of it um, no it's it's a, it's a defense mechanism but the defense mechanism started years before oh absolutely it's not instantaneous it's yeah. like no 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 uh, this is you know it, it it takes me a long time for that stuff to hit like and lesser uh degrees my divorce didn't hit me until right. months later yeah once everything calms down it's in the quiet spots because yeah. you don't have the chaos to have yeah. to yeah. deal with yeah. which is a and, good distraction yeah and then and then it, and then it hits you or like yeah a, a relationship ends and i'm mr Okay. Yeah. This is how this, and then six weeks later, I get hit by a board. Well, I, I, you know, I, head. yeah, I, you know, I don't know if this is 100 percent true for you, but I'm going to assume it. It likely is. But one of the things about anxiety disorder is that it's in many ways an evolutionary step forward in that, but a broken one, but in that we're planning for all potential. Situations, yeah. and it's just it never stops planning is the problem. Mm -hmm. So whenever something does happen, you go, okay, I uh, I have a card here with what I do for this. Uh, yep, I got it. Yeah. And so once the crisis is over and you don't have anything to draw upon, or there's not a clearly actionable sort of list of things you need to do now, right? That's when it tends to yeah. Hit. In, in the um, yeah, it's when it's quiet and everybody goes away. Yeah, because yeah. you're like, now I have nothing to fix. or there's Right, nothing yeah, yeah. To, you know. I, yeah, now I have nothing to batten down. Yeah, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, at least if I know I have to deal with a thing, I know that's next on the list. Yeah, that's always been a problem. And I, if, if, if anyone I've ever dated is listening. <laughs> Which they do every month, I'm sure. But they don't. Um, <laughs> it, it, usually it works out like I, it hits me right around the time they're over it. Yeah. And that's when I... Hey, can, I, can we meet? What? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. I remember a girl dumped me once at a Cure concert. Well, I had bought the tickets boy, for Boy, talk about the, when she, in Rome. She. This was her quote. 
I can't date you. You're too miserable all the time. And you're then it was the literally cure. like the cure. Like <laughs> then they came on and we had to sit and watch the whole show. Oh man. And I was like, this is really weird. What an odd moment. To yeah. Decide to do this. Yeah. Wow. But it was, it couldn't, you know, much better than if it was, uh, you know, up with people. But we were talking about just the, the capacity of fucking the human race just to be so brutally dispassionate. You but know? it's not new. It is not new. Yeah. No, it is it not goes new. All the, it goes all the way back. We're just... Uh, it's it, not new, but it doesn't excuse it. And and are we not evolving? It doesn't look like it. And Well, Stanley Kubrick... It's very funny you said it. Stanley Kubrick said what he called... I heard he was a bastard to actors. <laughs> Just, yeah. just, I'm going to get this back to The Shining somehow. <laughs> Humanity is to each other the way Stanley Kubrick directed Shelley Duvall. <laughs> a heartless endeavor. Oh, but he called he a, ruined her. He called violence an evolutionary hangover. An evolutionary hangover, yeah. Yeah, that we're still working our way through because we're primates and we're uh, right. We're not, but you know, gorillas also mm. very uh, docile. Gorillas much better than chimpanzees. Are they? Are they? Are gorillas, gorillas are so much more docile than chimpanzees? Yeah. yeah, and we just kill gorillas for ashtrays. Nice. I actually strongly support that. No, I know it's all, it's all, but it's also As like, he flicks his cigar made by people who live thirty to a room. <laughs> it's hard for us because we are quite literally mm-hmm. at the tippity 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 top of how great people can live we're not just in the why don't i even have gratitude for that we're two white men who work in hollywood can (laughs) can, like 98 percent of the people listening to this podcast (laughs) should find us and shoot us (laughs) oh man and if you don't you're a coward Some crazy person who just heard this yeah. has made a vow. Yeah. Just I'm going to do what as soon as I finish up in this coal mine. <laughs> and it's also a lot of the progress. Somebody, I saw this on Instagram, but it's really true. The way that we are, our technology is driven by mm-hmm. our base instincts. Like first, remember when technology, when we first got portable phones, they look yeah. like phones. Yeah. Did you have the car cradle? Did you have oh, a cradle right. in your car oh, for right, your phone? Right, 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 right. You had a car I phone. I never had one of them. First did you, you have one of those? I did, yeah. I you had a did? car phone. That had a cradle put in the car, and then we got the flip phone, which is a smaller version yeah. of the car phone, and you'd flip the bottom on like this little yeah. phone, and yeah. it had a pull-out antenna. Yes. And then you got I smartphones, have. and we thought we were so cool because smartphones, we made them, and then the next one had more to do, but it was a little bit smaller. Yeah. And then the next one, you could do even more with it, Yeah. and it was a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And then we did found out that we could watch porn on them, and they, they started to get bigger. <laughs> And bigger and bigger. And now they're like chalkboards. Because <laughs> we can watch porn on them. Oh, my God. That drives all the technology. Porn and ways to persuade reluctant mafia men who aren't talking. <laughs> I'm sure, like, the first person that thought of the moon just had a wife that drove him crazy. Just thought, no, I'd like to go up there. He'd just go out back every night. <laughs> He'd just go back every night, look at the moon. God, I'd love to go there. Yeah. That place looks great. But the, it's quiet. The, the jet propulsion lab is just guys who don't have relationships, men and women who yeah. are like in horrible relationships. So like, if we could only, <laughs> only <laughs> open up this. 
There are women on Mars. I know it. <laughs> We're terraforming Mars. <laughs> Elon Musk has gone through horrific, horrific, <laughs> horrific relationships. <laughs> the, fir- the, the first thing here's the here's We're the, making space for travel affordable. Was uh, this is a movie? It, it would mm-hmm. be like the first you know the first thing that's going to happen in the when we colonize a planet. The first thing that's going to happen. What? Is that colony is going to divide into two groups that hate each other. Yeah. And it's just going to start all over again. It's unbelievable. How do you stop that? Because it's, well, it, it's I don't just, think you do. It's how you don't people think, work. It's, but it's but just, what about evolution? <laughs> really, seriously. Here's what, here, now I listen to a lot of like Buddhism stuff uh-huh. because I am so the opposite. That's a yeah. disclaimer. Like that, that should be on my forehead when I go to like a temple, you know, a Buddhist the, temple. Yeah. Like I, I'm the furthest thing from right. your belief you system. Are, you are clean coal. You're the furious. <laughs> you're the. You're the furious Buddhist. Well, I'm bitter Buddha. That's my nickname, yeah. the bitter Buddha. Yeah, true. Yeah. But Tole, what Tole talks about, and this is getting back to you know why are human beings so vicious? He says it is thinking, like we are just addicted to the ego the ego mm-hmm. or thoughts and, and i know this gets a little esoteric. no no it's great I'm, I'm i'm into it and we are just in i this. will move this to war of the gargantuas but i'm listening gargantuas but that we are just so self-centered so thought-centric mm-hmm and we we just need to stop shallow breathing. We need to start taking deeper breaths. We need to be in the present moment. We need to disengage from all these. And the Buddhists talk about this, all these wants. Like, I want this, I want this, I desire this, I want this, I want this. Which right. leads to, like, I want oil. I mean, greed. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's grasp. It's they call it yeah. grasping as well. Like, I need this, I need this. I, we don't yeah. well, want, need a want, lot. We, we want actually. Is this, want is the source of all unhappiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a T-shirt that's funny that a guy like me, <laughs> a guy like me wears. It's called, and the T-shirt just says with a picture of the Buddha on it, "Want less, suffer less." And then I'm I'm in a Starbucks going, "Why is the mocha not here?" No, 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 no. You guys have it. That's a great t-shirt. on the board. Want less, suffer less. Yeah, that's very, very true. I have very, a T-shirt like that, which whenever I wear it, I feel terrific. If everybody had just that shirt. <laughs> I have the funniest T-shirt I ever saw in my life. What do we want? A cure for Tourette's. When do we want it? Cunt. <laughs> Somebody has a funny Twitter account that uh, goes by the name of Michael Kane. So I just so I guess you have to read it in Michael Kane's voice, but it just goes, "Hey, I'm sorry for all the profanity here. I'm sorry for saying things like fuck cunt and Vin Diesel on here." <laughs> My uh, daughter said the funniest thing yesterday. Um, I had an empty coffee cup, and I walked Going up to for her. change? I, I walked up, Yeah, I was on my way out. And I walked up to her and went, acid, and went to pretend to throw it in her face. And because you she's have so, a dark relationship. Yeah, and because it's so funny, instead of going, my eyes, she went, my shirt. <laughs> It really made me laugh. That's funny. Yeah, she kills That's me. That's my shirt. 
That's funny. <laughs> want less, suffer less. But then I go to- We're insane with our wants. And it, it's kind of weird to talk about it because I think people are basically, yeah, yeah, but we need things. We need things. We don't really. We're insane. Right. We're, well, no, we're our, an insane species. Again, I go, but I, uh, I reference him so much because he's the only person I, I've listened to or read, but like- Who? That it's- you know, Chris private, Matthews? <laughs> Chris Matthews. It's the private property and possessiveness. It's just like, because you do see these like tribes of guys that it's just like this community property and oh. it, it kind of works out. But it's the minute you get like, this is my hut, stay the fuck out of here. That's when you get into, yeah, you know, humanity is sort of like our technology has evolved faster than we have evolved. Absolutely. So we are like a chimp with Abs- a flamethrower. That's right. You know, and That's it's just, right. well, we're going to see what happens. Yeah. Didn't Robert Oppenheimer go, what? the fuck did i do yeah i am death that's that's you know that's that was his quote what did he say i uh, am death yeah i have become jesus i, I only be- say that when i'm in a really bad mood he said i have become death oh man yeah which yeah. is i've only used which that. is just a weird way of saying it's not you it's me <laughs> why aren't we together because i have become death <laughs> that's overkill when you're trying to get away from someone, when you say something <laughs> like that, dead. I have become, I have become dead. dead. Come on. Look, we just, can make this work. Not, I've become death. Can I say it's a weird thing? It's totally <laughs> off topic. I don't know how to date. <laughs> like, I, I never how knew to how to date. I don't know how to date more than one person at once. Like, I'm going to go out <laughs> Dude, with you. That's unbelievable. I'm going to go out with you. I think I'm just going to stop. Because like I go out with you as like you you go out with somebody you have dinner you have a nice time it's like all right are we in a relationship now we had dinner here's the most important thing and you have this going is that you just have to do your work and luckily you are so connected to your work i.e. Yeah. comedy that yeah. you will find someone on that path but I, I mean I, that's I, it I bury, dating is insane. these people I bury myself in work so I won't have to feel. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm. I I'm understand. Completely bone deep serious right now. A I'm, lot of people my, do that. I every day. Here's what I do with my life. I set up a tennis ball machine with stuff I have to do, and then I sit in front of it in a chair and get pummeled in the face by commitments I've made, so I don't have to go out into the world and feel anything. But it's when like, you- I have to edit this podcast, I'm sorry. I can't experience joy. I have to edit this podcast. Yeah. I, it's amazing to me talking about dating people. One of the other, this whole, oh, you're married. You're all right, right. But I'm just saying, you're over. I, I, I have friends who are like doing Tinder or what I have yeah, no fucking Tinder. clue, by the way. They, they, they'll just, they, I've been shown the app, but I'm just like, are you fucking yeah, no, kidding I, me? To me, Tinder is like the perfect combination. I'm not on it. I've never been on it. I saw it on me somebody's neither. phone. It's the combination of getting laid and new glasses. Better, worse. Better, worse. Is this better? Is this worse? Is this better? Is this worse? <laughs> Good thing is, is you don't have glaucoma. Yeah. But I, from what I understand, people just like meet and fuck. Yeah. And then, okay, later. I know. How is that? that? Well, to me, that's it, to me, de-evol- that's like, Is that a de-evolution or an evolution? To me, I liken it to the Matrix, that there's a world going on yes. that's a part of my world that I could access somehow with a computer program <laughs> there's know. like this crazy world of people that just it are is just meeting and having this casual interaction and then it's over and uh it's just something to which i am utterly foreign same here yeah 
And That's when like, I feel really old, by the way. That and bands that I have no clue. I have no clue of any Oh, bands. I know. I was... Uh, <laughs> And it's so funny when you do meet people, when you start hanging out with people that share your references. It's great. I mean, yeah. I made a Paul Weller reference and someone got it. And I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Was yeah. he replacements? Uh, the jam. There's nothing going on now mm-hmm. that wasn't going on in a different form in 1968. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. You know, we landed on the moon 69. Go ahead. Right. But it's like yeah. everything was happening the president was a oh, nut job. Yeah. Uh, young people were fucking like rabbits. Vietnam was going yeah. on. People were fucking like rabbits. LSD there's, was there's, hitting. Yeah. It was just every, the world was coming apart at the seams. And it was all about desire then too. Yeah. And that's what the Buddhists yeah. talk about. And all then, about desire. Like pleasure me. Pleasure me. Yeah. Ple- that's a big one. Pleasure me. Pleasure yeah. me. Pleasure me. Like yeah. all day long. Well, that is the brilliance of the lyric. Here we are now. Entertain us. Oh, yeah. So never mind. Yeah. Here we are now. Entertain us. us. Yeah. Yeah, or just Casey and the Sunshine Band. Boingo, boingo. Yeah. (laughs) Boingo, boingo might be pretty (laughs) good. Yeah. Um, I saw Richard Elfman today, actually, at that show. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Of course you did. Yeah, so I I do want to circle back to this. Yeah. But so you're into the damned, and and I'll, I'm assuming that you get, what what are your other adolescent musical um the, the damn one of my favorites um i loved like nick cave sure um you know the gothier side of punk rock right but i was also really really into um la punk rock right. uh so uh, like, like x yeah. uh the weirdos Bauhaus, uh, Bauhaus, Bauhaus yeah some of the gothier stuff um but then also like a, there's a band called the sound that mm-hmm. i is is easily my favorite band and they're the most underrated bands of the 80s uh-huh. and along with x along with x who are great <laughs> the sound was this guy adrian borland who they were signed to the same label as echo and the bunnymen if you like u2 and echo and the bunnymen yeah. they sound like a good version of them right that's how i always describe yeah. it i like echo yeah. and the bunnymen i'm not a fan of youtube i don't like u2 either but the yeah. early stuff sounds it has yeah. a sound that i like the sound is just this incredible it's everything joy division should have been to me mm-hmm. and the only reason i knew who they were is because every Every Saturday, I'd take the train into Harvard Square and I'd just buy records that I like the covers of for the, in the dollar at, bin at the coop. Or uh, would you go to I would go to like Second, Second Coming. Coming. <laughs> yep, Second Coming Records was the big one. Yeah. And this one I found at Second Coming, sure or it might have been Mystery Train, but I think it was Second Coming. Right. And it was a twelve-inch by the sound from their record in the lion's mouth, and I listened to it, and it was just that thing where you're like, I, "This is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life." Uh-huh. And later, I find out that Adrian Borland killed himself. Right. Uh, and uh, but that band's just so incredible. They were one of my favorites. And then and then I got into stuff like the Afghan Wig and really got into soul music and yeah. surf music and right. um, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was into punk rock. I started hanging out at The Rat when I was 12, uh-huh. um, <laughs> which is not a, a I probably place. we place. So what year are you 12? 92. Yeah. We were probably at The Rat on the same time. That is likely. Yeah. Um, I'm older. I, I, would, was, I, I was there illegally. <laughs> I should not have been there. Yeah, yeah. But the weirdest thing was – 
I definitely went through a growth spurt and stuff, but because I wasn't drinking and I wasn't a problem, yeah, they just let me in. And I used to, I got so used to right downstairs from Una's experience. Una's, yeah. Um, I would just walk in, I would hang out at the Middle East and teach the Bears and this place called the Causeway. Yeah, I'm somewhere in the Sebado video for Ocean. They filmed it at Teach the Bears, and I'm like 14 somewhere in that video. Amazing. So I would just hang out at these clubs, and I wouldn't talk to anyone, and I would just watch the bands. Not a problem. Yeah, and so that I was doing that um, and then I started a punk rock band <laughs> uh-huh. and we started with bands like Dropkick Murphys and uh, uh-huh. all these Boston punk bands and we did like weirdly well and we went Bim on Scalabim. tour. Bim Scalabim was around. Um, the Bostons had sort of just moved kind of bigger out of Boston right. um, but we would go on tour. We, Sleepy LaBeef Sleepy LaBeef was still playing. Uh, we'd play with like the Suicide Machines and the sure, yeah. Veil and all these bands and we're like 16. Uh-huh. And that in Playing hindsight again, uh, we would play there sometimes. We'd go down to New York. Get written up in the Alston beat. Alston beat. We uh, here's an Alston story. We played a place called O'Brien's, which was a twenty-one over bar. We were seventeen. They made us stand outside till our set, because uh, uh, they had gotten uh, dinged by the city. Right. So uh, a bouncer walked us to the stage. <laughs> we played right. After our set, they walked us back outside. We had to wait outside till the end of the show to get paid. Yeah. So we we were like escorted in That's and out just amazing. for our set. You, and you get a hoodie. Here's a yeah, hoodie. Here you go. Here you go. Here's a hoodie <laughs> and a teeny drink. <laughs> Are you choking because it's so sweet? Put Here's your hands up. Yeah. So it was weird, you know. In in hindsight, back you know to to kind of think about it now, we were talking about before my parents just kind of being absent, but. You know, I think because they just didn't. But have you to found worry. a family. I mean, you found a family. I didn't. I didn't. It was. It well, was. Let me rephrase that then. You found a place. I found a place because I. I never really felt like I fit in there either. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I run into kids from that scene, I feel the way people feel about kids they went to high school with, where they're kind of like, "Oh yeah, he's a good kid. I liked him. Whatever. You know. Yeah. It's nice to see him. Um, but you know, I'm 17, and I'd be driving to. New York and Philly for the weekend, and I'd get right. home Sunday night. My friends would be like, "Oh, where you been? Okay, right." And could, I couldn't imagine a seventeen-year-old being like, "Yeah, oh, Joey, we drove down to DC." No, my my oldest is fourteen. <laughs> it's yeah, only three years. Yeah, and um, you know, I think again, part of it was probably, I guess, like a compliment. Well, yeah, well, it's also well. I mean, I had that in the sense of I could do anything I wanted because there were six of us and I wasn't a problem. But you were doing stand-up early, weren't you? Like seventeen. Yeah, was, yeah. But it was also it was like. Yeah, it wasn't a problem. Was like, Didn't have to worry about you. Yeah, They're not going to bail you out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, never my ha- sister was a never problem. have a laughing fit in the house of paranoia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my sister would be 15 and show up driving a car, and my parents would be like, where'd you get that? Police auction. <laughs> she went to yeah. police auction and would buy drug dealer cars. Or she had, this was the craziest thing. She got all her friends' fake IDs, and she brought her friends, like they must have been maybe 15, to uh, a strip club in Revere on amateur night, and they would dance, and then they'd split the money with her. Jeez. <laughs> like this Very kind of stuff. Team. Yeah. Um, so, and I never did that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, and I was, I was working, I, I had my own phone line in the house. I was booking gigs with uh, epitaph bands and, you know, right. we're on labels and I'm reading contracts and stuff. Wow. Um, but it was also horrible. Like I was miserable and depressed and, yeah. you know, the kids in the band with hated me and because I'm sure it was just awful to deal with. Right. Um, but that, yeah, that was kind of, and then I moved out. Like it was, it was punk rock and comic books and right. horror movies. And-, and then the problem that you have when you move out, I'm going to now project. Okay. Uh, is with, with those tools, 
which and they are tools, horror movies and comic books. Yeah. They are the tools that you use to teach yourself to allow yourself to be happy. Yeah. That it's it's first you have to learn how to do it and then you have to give yourself permission to do it. Yeah. You have to allow yourself to be happy because it's driving through Dallas with the bubble top off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're just waiting for it. I've only read theory before and now I'm actually enacting it. Yeah. 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 But but it, but I do, you know, I think all of my close friends um we all have those same tools that make us happy that give us comfort which is a, it's just a, you know birds of a feather yeah you don't need freud to figure it out absolutely and i think yeah. you know one of the things and i think i've talked about this with you before about tv guide stuff was in my incredibly chaotic house that was reliable absolutely. it was something to look absolutely. forward to absolutely yeah was, we did talk yeah about every that. week it was the same yeah and i don't it, know what the fuck is going on yep it's six o'clock yep star trek is on it's channel 56 every day it's gonna be there. eleven o'clock Twilight Zone's on yep. Channel 38. And if I'm at a bar that they drop me off so my uncle can quote-unquote babysit me while right. he's working, I can ask if they can put 38 on and yeah. I can sit there and watch TV 38 yeah. while guys fight with pool cues. Yeah. But what's yeah. amazing about now, upped from 1968, is we have so many devices now mm-hmm. that give us instant fucking pleasure it's the pleasure and it also distract you from other things it's like hey i can't like look, like how do you I, do all your work I do you turn off all the shit when you're working like I, or are you always like okay let me check i'm not that addicted i i've never been that i i've, I've never played video games ever. me neither when i worked, but i do have a certain addiction to social media i, I do found. too but you do but i do it and we just like i'm when I'm busy, I just yeah. I, I like I like you. I like to yeah. paint, although it's writing jokes or writing right. scripts or whatever. It's like I like right. what I do, so that's good. Right. The last time I was really addicted to video games was like when I was an usher at the Milford Cinema in Milford, Massachusetts. Oh, I think uh, we had an asteroids game, and like I got really good at asteroids in 1981. <laughs> yeah, those, those were like fun, though. Those, those video games. And jo- we had asteroids and joust. Yeah, those video games to me were fun. Like the only video game I really yeah. got into was for Pong. Ed. Yes, yes, <laughs> really. Or the Mari- Mario, t- like, like just so sl- Mario chasing Mario. Oh yeah, Mario we had we had, po- we had a Whatever. Pong machine that we put in our TV, and we thought we were like Star Trek. television. I'm still the guy who watches. I have Direct TV, and that's not to brag, but when you pause it. If you pause it long enough, it goes into that thing yeah. where it bounces, and I still look at that longing. Like I'm like, oh, here's look the, at it bounce. Here's the other thing: I can't keep track of all the television. Yeah, me neither. Apple uh, TV. I was with some people yesterday. All the that television. We're all hiking, and there are a lot of TV execs. Yeah, and you mean all the new shows that are happening? Oh, just like people that. Yeah, I mean these are all my friends, but they're they're, yeah. they're like. Um, so what are you watching? Oh, I love Thirteen and Under or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. oh, these are like, what is that a show? What? Yes, is me that too. a show? What is that? What? Where do they find the time to watch all uh, this? Well, I think shit. it's a lot of it's their job. To oh, well, know. if it's yeah, their it's job, it's their then job you can feel know. like it's yeah. funny. That's another. It, it's hilarious to feel inadequate about wa- yeah. not watching television. And the one 
show I'm trying to get through is subtitled, so I can't even like put Which it one? on. Uh, it's called a Revenant. It's a French. Revenant. It's like French Twin Peaks kind of show. I'm trying to. Is get, it cool? I'm, I love it. I'm trying to get through the second season, and I, it's taken me like a year because I have to sit down and watch it because I can't and read like, it. Just and read put it. it on. Yeah, but no, like last night, there's mm-hmm. so many things I could watch. Yeah. And yeah. I watched The Night Stalker on MeTV. Yes, me and my wife were watching episode, Darren McGavin yeah, on The Night Stalker. An episode that I've seen a hundred times. <laughs> That's that I, comfort. That That's I, going back to that comfort. That I have on DVD in my other room. <laughs> and I was like, I could watch this anytime. I know how this ends. Which one was it? We were uh, watching the, the Night Stalker. It was the Trevi connection with uh, Lara Parker on it, who played uh, Angelique on Dark Shadows. Yeah, I never realized David Chase cut his teeth on David that David Chase cut his teeth on that show, David Chase of The Sopranos, and I did not know that either. And when uh, I was just telling somebody this story, um, so I was watching The Night Stalker, and I saw his name in the credits. Yeah. And... We were like literally two days later, we were at the Emmys and we were with David Chase because he oh, was, serious? he was with, um, my wife's agency and we were at that yeah. table and yeah, 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 yeah. On my ex-wife. I just uh-huh. casually said, uh, oh, I wanted to, I just watched uh, the Night Stalker the other night. Great work. And he immediately what went, do does it hold up? Ah, I didn't <laughs> yeah, he went right in there. Yes, it was beautiful. Does it hold up? It was beautiful. Oh my god! Like that was—it was exactly what you'd think you would say. You know, the Night Stalker. When I watch it, I don't know how you feel about this, but I love the comfort of old TV. We've talked yeah. about this before. Like we were watching one of the worst Columbos ever, but I still get such a comfort. last night. It was so bad. It was called the, Time the, to Die. The, the, cra- the crazy guy that like mar- made the woman marry him it and was stuff like that. So I watched it. I watched it. Ba- you watched it when the guy put lipstick yes. on. I was like, what the fuck? It was so hilarious. Yes, and it had none of my wife was pissed off because it had none of the Columbo tropes. Like, he's yeah. not pursuing It was like Columbo in the Silence of the Lambs. It that's like what this, we said. Yeah. It's that's like, what we Columbo said. in this? My wife said, did Silence of the Lambs come out about this time? Because it was yeah. obviously, they, they were doing that. And then. Yeah. Like, and, and, then and he has was, a lair. The killer has a lair. I just like He's when, projecting photos of her constantly in, yeah. in horrible different poses. Yeah. I liked it better with the older Columbo's when it was Robert Conrad rigged a oh, bomb on somebody's plane. Love. Robert or Conrad. Just those old, any old 70s actor. Robert like, Conrad was in like little shorts and uh, he was, I don't know if you saw the one where he was the fitness guy and he was, he was always half naked. What do you want, Columbo? He was always wearing. I'm a juice. I love to. Jerry they, Lewis ball hugger shorts. Yes! Yeah. And I love the introduction. Like, I guess vitamins were just getting popular. Yep. Come on. I have a vitamin thing here. Yeah. It's yeah, vitamins. Yeah. Uh, and he'd be like, whoa, I'm just, I just want an egg sandwich. Well, it's what is now the Whole Foods on Coldwater and Riverside used yeah. to be Mrs. Gooch's in the late 70s. That was one of the first, that was like the big health food store in the valley. Mrs. And Gooch's? And I don't know if it's that store, but uh-huh. if you ever watched the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant modern romance. Um, Albert Brooks. Yeah, it's, yeah. It takes it's yeah. 1981, and he goes to like Mrs. Yeah. Gooch's to get vitamins. I'm starting a new life. I want some vitamins. I like when he buys all the track gear and just runs to a phone to call her. To call her. <laughs> and the man who sells him the track gear, I forgot him. his brother, Bob Einstein. Oh, is that Super right? Dave Osborne. Dave Osborne. Albert Brooks' Super brother. Dave. Yeah. It's really brilliant. Albert Einstein. His name is Albert Einstein. His name Einstein. is Albert Einstein. I also How love do you that, not be funny? I also love that movie. Uh, all right. So he picks out, you want to get, you, you like this sweatsuit? It's a pretty good suit. Yeah, it's a good suit. All right, let's get two of these. I only need one. What are you going to do? It's in the wash. 
I won't run that day. Never mind. He puts everything back. I misjudged you. No, no, buy two. <laughs> yep. Why don't? Why shouldn't I buy these sneakers? They're made out of old tires. Is that how you want to start your new life? No, no, no. And then he runs to the phone booth. Mary. <laughs> but God, that movie. I just wanted to that say. That movie and real life, oh, real life are like rubber soles and revolver. It's I just like, see real life how do again. you do this concentrated brilliance in this short amount of yeah. time? And then he fucked up with uh, that horrible movie about the Muslim world. That was weak, wasn't it? It just was like, no, it didn't happen. It didn't get yeah. funny. I like that he swung for the fences. I guess, yeah, I always like that. Yeah. Wait, and now he's kind of become, he's interesting. He's Gene he's, Hackman now. Yes. What God bless him. God it's bless amazing. Him. It's I amazing. just love to watch. I loved, I mean, he was. Well, my, or he's in Do- he's Dory or he's yeah, in. Uh, yeah, he's in Finding Nemo. Hey. <laughs> Albert Brooks was like. My comedy mm. Beatles. So it was just like. One of mine too. Yeah. yeah. It was just so fucking. I guess I got introduced to him, believe it or not, on the SNL shorts. Yep. He, you well, too? When SNL first started, Lauren Michael said, Do you want to be the permanent host? Do you want to host it full time? And he went, Nah. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh my God. But this is the point I wanted to make. Yeah. I was talking about 1968. Yeah. It's just like everything we have is something we used to have just a little bit more. People used to complain that kids are just listening to music and they're distracted from their. From the world. Yeah, we have that now. It's just a little bit more. You know, now we have Trump. We used to have Nixon. Now we have Trump, which is Nixon. It's just a little bit more. When Prince died, I was watching a retrospective, mm-hmm. and my dad walked by the television and went, oh, little Richard died. <laughs> and I was like, kind of, because Prince was just little Richard. It's just a little bit more. And Funny you said, say that because Little Richard was in a Columbo recently. That was it really? I mean, recently. It was, it was, it was a rerun. That you saw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, he, just he, one more thing. You ain't going to get no more things. Woo-hoo! Yeah. The late, late Columbos were horrible. Yeah, and, when they brought and, him back, like with Perry Mason. Yes, it was horrible. But what and I want to say. Raymond Burr was so big. Raymond Burr was so fat towards the end. <laughs> he legally changed his name to the SS Burr. <laughs> Do you know Bob Sarlat? No. Bob Sarla, brilliant comedian, lives in San Francisco. He oh, was yeah. the announcer on David Letterman's morning show. He's one of Letterman's like buddies. Okay. And he's this, he's this great joke. Yeah. When I lived in San Francisco, when I first moved there, it was like me and Tom Kenny and, yep. and a bunch of kids. Bob Sarla was like our comedy dad. Like oh, yeah. he was older, but he was really cool and a great yeah. guy. Is he still with us? Yeah, he's around. And he had this one joke. He goes, uh, hey, have you seen these Perry Mason movies? I don't know what Raymond Burr's been up to, but I think sit-ups isn't high on the list, huh? <laughs> and then he would, and then his joke was, I'd like to call Sarah Lee to the stand. <laughs> As a witness? No, for some delicious cakes, pies, and cookies. <laughs> and that is one of those jokes that I have been alone in my house, and I will just say it to myself. <laughs> I will say it to one. myself out loud and just start cracking up. Bob yeah. Sarlat. Some of these guys really let themselves go at the end. And I'm speaking of about uh, Orson Welles, who was such a genius. And he wound up, and this is life in a nutshell, too. He wound up sitting at Pink's Hot Dogs, mm-hmm. just devouring. I think mm-hmm. he has the record. The wow. genius, the yep. genius of film who did yeah. Citizen Kane wound up scarfing down 30 Pink's <laughs> Hot Dogs. And today is buried under the Beverly Center. That was the only place he could be under. But um, I just want to say to you. He's point, parking level seven. To your point that things are the same. Well, how did you put it? Things are the same, but a little. Worse. 
A little worse, worse. A little more. The only thing I want to add to that is that I think it may be more dire than that, and I want to leave your listeners with this, that because of the finiteness of the environmental stuff. Oh, no, I, I think, think we only have things, two or three more cycles to go before we yeah, clock out. I, I think <laughs> I love how you just, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's scary. Yeah. You the know, scientists are saying it's too late to do any exactly. kind of. You know, look, America did not get into World War II until World War II punched us in the face. We knew it was going on, but we weren't that interested. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't really affect us. And then finally they bombed Pearl Harbor. All right, we got to do something about this. And then we got in and we did our part. But really what also was a big thing in World War II, and you don't really get this mm-hmm. in history class, is the Russian army completely drained all of the resources of of the german army it was it was the russians i think lost 24 million people Ugh. to the german army by the way i uh, have you seen you only the, really hear about the how the americans did everything 24 and, million yeah and i have to check it might be 200 million i don't know it's just like the russian how about the insanity of world world war yeah. 1 is a great documentary going on now called the great war and it's just unbelievable the staggering amount of people killed and in world yeah. war 1 it was particularly insane because they were fighting over like a foot of turf yeah and, and a million people would Archduke die Ferdinand. <laughs> a million people Shut. would die yeah over shit, the, the and you couldn't even keep the grand because it was just filled with toxic mustard. I'm just mustard saying gas that and, to the insanity. Of, yeah, of, and I think that with the environmental problem, you know, we won't wake up to solve it until it's too late. Yeah, you know, I'm it's hearing like, it's already too late. It might be. The scientists yeah. are just saying, even if we were to really cut back on all these fossil fuels and really do the right thing, it it may be too late. The, yeah. the globe has gotten too warm to stop. Yeah. What stop will the happen? Arctic there's shelf. one thing that will. Yeah, there's one. It's th- happening quicker than they thought. Yes, there's one thing that we that will happen is that there will be some unintended consequence. Something is going to happen that we can't anticipate. Mm. Um, <clears throat> probably will be very bad. But mm-hmm. that's the one thing that you have to realize is that like, it's highly likely that uh, in my grandchildren's lifetime, you will start to see swaths of the globe that are uninhabited. And the biggest mm. threat to – Talk about wars then. Well, you're talking about the Pentagon has all of the ga- has all yes. of these war games gamed out because these guys in the Pentagon, their job is anticipate threats to the United States yeah. and protect against them. And climate change is a giant. Yes. They believe it. They know it's climate a Climate wars, they yeah. call them. But, yeah, because people are going to have to be migrating. Mm-hmm. There's a room. Those guys are in a room. That's a fun room. Yeah, it's that, a good it, room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The anticipation um, room. But the problem is then you have the oil, then you have the oil executives who go, nah, it gets good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, they're good people. Yeah. All right. But I think we've solved it. If you've learned nothing else from the podcast today, Take away that the latter Columbo's not so good. <laughs> you went into goth industrial music. I went into like Elvis Costello. I get into, yeah. into brainy rage. Yeah. College boy rage. Yeah. Um, Shriek back. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when it's named, when I went to Cedars for my sleep disorder, uh, and this doctor that I still see, 
um, this is 1994. I still see him. Uh, and he said, uh, well, uh, yeah, it's a somnambulistic hypervigilance. Can't shut your brain off. Yeah. Night. Well, when your brain starts, when you start to relax, your brain kicks you awake. Right. Because it feels like you're under threat. You let your guard down. Yeah. 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 And it's you. So you're exhausted. And every time you start to drift off, your brain goes, oh, wow, yeah. that was weird. We almost fell asleep just yeah. then. They Isn't could have crazy? attacked you. Yeah. It's yeah. a hypervigilance. Yeah. 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 And uh, but just knowing that it had a name and it wasn't that your head is trying to murder you. Yeah. Uh, We've studied this, and it's a real thing. Yeah, and yeah. take this pill, and then take this pill, and you're great. Yeah, and I still do. Yeah, same here. I mean, yeah. I, I, um, you know, I had a, a really bad flare up. I guess it must have been five, five or six years ago now. And because you're weak. Because kinda. I'm weak. I'm weak, and I'm also kind of <laughs> queer. Uh, <laughs> you know what happened? Here, I swear to God, this is what happened. Guy so weak, you went queer. I was flipping through the fucking channels. You know, we didn't have the guy wasn't working flipping channels. I watched two minutes of that Queer Eye show. Next thing you know, I'm fucking suicidal. <laughs> so you tell me who the problem is there. I'm going to sue class action suit. I want my $30 check. I'm going to sue a quiz. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, went, I, I went on medication for the first yeah. time. And um, medications were much better. I, when I was 17, I went on medication for a bit. And I hated every second of it. I, uh-huh. I, they put me on Paxil. And it, um, I, for, I think it sped me up. It either sped me up or right. slowed me down. I didn't feel like myself. I couldn't concentrate on things. Which is kind of what the point was. Because you couldn't. Right. And I hated it. And then, um, and then this time I went on a thing where I, the best, the way I described it was if my emotions were a crane game, yeah. where you, you know, um, and uh, something that would trigger you is putting a quarter in the crane game. What mine would, what most people would do is it would go down and grab a teddy bear mm-hmm. and drop it in the chute and they'd look at it and go, cool, a teddy bear. And then it yeah. would be gone. Mine, the crane would just go all the way into the thing and just sit there. <laughs> <laughs> and now with the medication, the crane goes down and can't pick anything up. Right. Like it just kind of whiffs it, uh, like yeah. you, which yeah. is normal. That's what most things happen. Yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, it, I, with my little combo, it, uh, takes the, uh, the, Limits the highs by and limits the lows. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I never had that thing where I feared, oh, I can't be creative without this. I need no, this. No, no, no. There's um, no way. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no, uh, no, because if you function. Yeah. Uh, you, you add colors to your palette and it just gives you a broader emotional palette. I can still write jokes about being depressed, but now I can write jokes about other things. And you could probably write better, faster, yeah, yeah. more coherent yeah. jokes and, about being And gross. anything that makes you know yourself better is innately going to help your creativity. Yeah, absolutely. And if it doesn't, you, being creative is not that important. <laughs> you didn't have that. Yeah, just be happy. It's better. Be yeah, happy. and I know so many people would be like, well, I can't go I can't do my jokes. I'm like, that's you know what? Fear. Also, if you couldn't do your jokes, but you're not going to kill yourself, that's probably okay. That's probably okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know, I went through that you know with a lot of people. Um, uh, sp- specifically, I think of my relationship with with Myla Nurmi. You know, she always needed help. Yeah. But accepting it fully would require her to change. Yeah. And so she didn't want to change. So there's a lot of people that you will – God bless her soul and God rest her soul. But uh, there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, you row out to them in the lifeboat and uh, 
They don't want to get in the boat. Yeah. Yeah. And you just have to make sure they don't pull you into the ocean. Well, they do want to get in the boat, but they can't get in the boat. Yeah. You know, and then they think, well, maybe I'll pull you in with me. At least yeah. We'll be together. Then we'll die together. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to do that. Either. Yeah. Make everyone as miserable as you are. And then, you know, then, it, then it's fine. Instead of realizing that the thing you have is a real thing. Other people's ha other people have make everyone have what you right. think you have. Right. <laughs> and it's just totally, uh, you know, awful. Yeah. Um, but it's, I'm doing much better now. What's interesting is, uh, again, with you specifically, because we're, we're so similar, I, I feel. Um, you know, we have a lot. You had it worse than I did. <laughs> you win. Um, yes! <laughs> I, know, I know people that beat you, but you did well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, we use the same tools to, to, to cope. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, and, and my, my, my wife, my ex-wife totally saved my life. I mean, she dragged me by my eyelids into adulthood yeah, uh, and made me be a grown up. And I, I owe her uh, the world for that. Um, and my kids, you know, so it really did, you know, uh, once you have someone else to do it for, cause I feel the yeah. same way about my wife where you're not, you're not getting better for yourself which you really should be yeah um but it's f for them at the start kind of yeah and that that's uh, um i i can't imagine i guess i can't imagine it but doing that for someone else where you make them better for themselves but kind of act as the focus for it mm -hmm. <laughs> must be horrible yeah <laughs> and they did it <laughs> uh, and 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 oddly this was what i wanted to talk to, to about tonight we, we never got to it but it's great because it means we have to do it again yeah um the president's a lunatic yes thanks for coming by thanks Dana. we're actually quite happy everybody it's true we're wearing party hats other podcasts reach for the sky Dana Goldbaum We barely try The Dana Gould Hour Never an hour This has been the Dana Gould Hour Brought to you by the Internet Music by Andy Paley With Jake Posner behind the board Produced by Jeff Fox. Graphic design and web production by Spencer Hunt and Segan Friend. Sound editing and post-production by Jalinda Palmer and Joe Napolitano. Hey, if you like the show, why don't you drop us a line at show at danagould.com. Tom Kenny speaking. I'm a DJ, I'm a DJ, I'm a person, I'm a person, I'm a singer, I'm a singer, I love to sing, and DJ, boom! Peace out. Peace out. You want me? Peace out. Boom.